With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. In this country, there's a growing fight for the rights of transgender people. Over 200 companies, including tech giants like Amazon and Google, have urged the U.S. Supreme Court to rule that federal civil rights law prohibit discrimination against gay and transgender workers. Now, recently, NPR learned of one woman's experience at the computer company Dell. She says she endured discrimination for years and filed a complaint with New York City's Commission on Human Rights. There are two other cases alleging discrimination at Dell. Dell denies liability in one case and the other's ongoing. And Dell, we should note, is an NPR sponsor. Here's NPR's Jasmine Garst. Sometimes when she's frustrated, when she has some free time, Helen Harris comes here to blow off steam, a little warehouse gym in Brooklyn. And these days, Harris has too much free time and plenty of frustration, which led her to file a complaint. I know that my rights have been violated. Harris is a 37-year-old systems engineer. Her job, selling technology to major companies and helping them set it up. NPR spoke to four colleagues Harris has worked with. They described a talented young woman whose career was completely derailed a few years ago. And they, like Harris, suspect it's because of the way she looks. Harris is African-American and gender nonconforming. She was born and identifies as a woman. She uses feminine pronouns. She doesn't wear makeup or jewelry. She favors men's tailored suits and shoes and says, ultimately, that's nobody's business. Which is why in late 2015, when she started taking hormones to become more masculine-looking, she did it quietly. Besides, she always saw the tech industry as this place where no matter what you look like... If you put your head down and you learn the stuff and you do the work, you can change your circumstances. This was around the same time when Harris's company, EMC, was merging with Dell. Harris and several other employees were sent to training to step into new roles. She says 
that's when things started getting weird. She says she got heckled by coworkers when she gave presentations, and that one of her instructors kept telling her in order to work with customers, people have to like you for you to be able to do this job. He kept saying stuff like that to me. Harris says her colleagues, the ones who were at that training where she had a hard time, they all moved up the ladder. She was told to keep on training, so she did for three years. In her complaint to New York's Commission on Human Rights, Harris alleges that Dell didn't want to put her in front of customers because of how she looked. During that time, she says she'd speak with managers, executives, colleagues, HR. What is the problem? Like, if there is a problem with me, like what I'm doing, can someone please speak up? So there's this idea that the tech industry is a place where stuff like this doesn't happen, where you can scooter into work, piercings, tattoos, no problem. As long as you work hard, it doesn't matter who you are. The diversity numbers at big tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Apple tell a different story. Take Facebook. Less than a quarter of tech roles there are held by women. African Americans make up only about one percent. At Dell, you get a complicated picture. On the one hand, the company has repeatedly been ranked among the 50 best for diversity, but several current and former Dell employees who requested anonymity for fear of retaliation said the New York office had the atmosphere of a boys' club. A woman named Cecilia Gilbert, also a systems engineer at Dell, says it's not just New York. The tech sales culture in general can be brutal. She says it was for her. When Gilbert decided to transition from male to female, she says a trans coworker warned her. Don't tell these people that you're transgender. It's a career ender. Gilbert was devastated when, in late 2018, right in the middle of her transition, she was let go. They said we're laying you off because、um, your transgender transition is impeding your ability to travel. Gilbert, who is 58, is suing Dell for, among other things, allegedly discriminating against her for her gender transition. The case is ongoing. It's not unusual for a company as large as Dell to have discrimination lawsuits. Jennifer Davis, a spokeswoman for Dell, told NPR that Gilbert's layoff had nothing to do with her gender. It was part of a restructuring where hundreds lost their jobs, and she pointed to the company's support network for trans employees. NPR spoke to two workers who say the extensive medical coverage and support Dell offers made their gender transition possible. But there was another case back in 2017. The Massachusetts Attorney General investigated a complaint from a former intern, also trans, who alleged discrimination. Dell denied wrongdoing but paid $110,000 in settlement. The last time I met with Harris at the gym in early June, she was still on Dell's payroll, but she wasn't even bothering with going into the office on a regular basis anymore. I had problems using the bathroom. That's the truth. After the second time, I got harassed about which restroom I was using. Is when I stopped going. Helen Harris says she's exhausted. A few weeks after we met, she quit. I asked Dell about her. Spokeswoman Jennifer Davis wouldn't provide details, saying she wishes to respect Harris's privacy, but she says the matter was resolved amicably. I asked Harris if she'd given up on a career in tech. She said, "No way." I want my money. I don't want to be poor. Like my my father, he picked cotton. 
My grandfather was a sharecropper. I'm a systems engineer, so I'd rather stay. She quit Dell, but she's not quitting tech. Jasmine Garst, NPR News, New York. Black brother, like brother of hell. Disbelief, you know, of course, fear, shock. Uber driver Zanya Robinson says she's still haunted by the moments on March 3rd when she picked up three men and one woman outside this Fort Worth hotel. The planned seven-minute ride went downhill fast. The guy in the front seat was requesting that I log off and perform sexual acts and he would pay me. She said no and says the passengers started using racial slurs, including the N-word and threats of violence. From that point on, I pulled over on the side of the freeway and told them I'm not going to tolerate that. You guys need to get out of the car. Robinson says Constantino Garafos and another man threw bottles at her. The bottle actually broke on my hand um, and that's where the other cuts came from. Before she drove away, called 911 and met officers at this Texaco in Haltom City. He asked me to step out of the car and there was blood everywhere. There was glass in my hair and there was glass all in the console and the door. Garafos was quickly arrested and later indicted for aggravated assault. Today, Robinson is left with medical bills and numbness in her finger and says she's still waiting on help from Uber. And they say, oh, we're going to have someone from my crisis department reach out to you. That That never happened. Sitting alongside her attorney. When looking at the, the totality of everything, Uber needs to do a better job at protecting those drivers. She's urging the company to increase driver safety. And they don't want you to carry any knives. They don't want you to carry mace. They don't want you to protect yourself, but they don't want to protect you either. Right now, Uber offers a two-way rating system, GPS tracking, and an in-app emergency assistance button. In a situation like that, you're not looking for a button on the app. You're thinking 911. But she says it's not enough. She wants to see recent commitments to rider safety match with concern for those behind the wheel. And this afternoon, a response from Uber that violence has no place anywhere and what's been described is unacceptable. It says our team has been in contact with Miss Robinson and following her reports, we permanently banned the rider accounts from the Uber app. We're live in the newsroom. Vanessa Brown. NBC5. All right, Vanessa, thank you. Robinson and her attorney are urging Tarrant County to charge the second man involved. So far, he's been no build, and they say if Uber does not make things right, they will file a lawsuit in the next 30 to 45 days. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 19th. 2019 so i have been told this is our weekly forum on neutralizing workplace racism Uh, if we have any black people non-white people if you have figured out these are things to do to make sure that you are never physically sexually assaulted on the job you have a code already just in case but you don't have those problems Uh, You get all of your raises, promotions on time. You are safe in your workplace. You don't have any of those concerns about people you work with calling you a nigger. All of that is, you know, a horrible nightmare that you can't imagine because things are fantastic for you. Please share with us explicit detail on how you accomplish this. You should be the first person to dial in that number. Six zero five. 313-5164. The code 564943 pound. 
press star six one if you would like to participate. <clears throat> if you are not able to dial in, if you're in a noisy environment or you just would prefer to remain anonymous, you can also email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. And I can read your commentary uh, anonymously uh, on the air if it's either your own situation, if you have figured out some things that work well for you in the workplace, if you have a problem and you would like uh, counter racist suggestions uh, and or if you have a uh, response thoughts on what is being discussed during the segment, uh, you can drop an email until justice at gmail .com and we can read your commentary on the air. Uh, but the number again is six zero five. Three one three five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Before we get to the folks who wrote in, it was quite a few of them. People who called in as well. Uh, the segments that we heard at the beginning, the report. Uh, on Dell uh, allegedly uh, having a hostile or unpleasant work environment uh, for transgender employees. The rebuttal allegedly that was read, they said that they spoke with representatives at Dell uh, and other folks uh, who had worked at Dell and they said, hey, we have a transgender support group. And they said that they talked to some uh, folks who worked at Dell who classify themselves as transgender who said, hey, my uh, pr my transition, you know, through this would not have been possible without the resources offered by Dell. I said, wow, do they have some sort of uh, Negro support group uh, at Dell? Does anybody know? Has anybody worked at a company where they specifically have like this is for black people, not the black and brown people, not the multicultural people, not the black and multi-ethnic people like this is just for the black people. Do they have a black support group entity? Has anyone ever worked someplace where they have a black that and apparently that has finances? That's what it sounded like to me. Maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I didn't hear that correctly. But it sounded like the Dell transgender support group. They've got some sort of financial assistance as well. Maybe if you're going through this, they can help or, or what? maybe I didn't hear that correctly. If I'm wrong, you know, set me straight. But wow, like a, a group and I am not what they call it. Hating. <laughs> I am not doing that. Not at all. Uh, if they have that, that's great. I'm just saying that that would be another illustration of, you know, white people can solve problems. They show, they demonstrate this regularly. Black people have problems. That's the way things should be approached with racism, white supremacy. Problems, solving problems, not whining about how you feel and a lot of other nonsense. Problems, solving problems. That's the way that we want to go about handling business. Whites have the ability to solve the problem of racism, to solve black people's problems, they don't want to do that. I also thought it was significant. I think that this was uh, the main individual being interviewed was uh, a non-white person. And I think Mr. Fuller has talked about that. Others have as well. Uh, seemingly, I think that's another method of, of marketing. And specifically marking individuals. These are the folks that we want to 
represent this at certain times. We want them to this to be in people's minds when they think about this issue. This is directly connected to black people in lots of different ways. Sometimes it'll be connected to black people to say that black people are homophobic or lots of different ways. Isaiah Washington had lots of workplace problems because of, you know, they said he made some sort of homophobic comment. Black male actor. He still talked about that like that was like 10 years ago. And I still hear him talk about that with tremendous pain. Anyway, again, if someone knows of a support group of that nature, please share. In the next day, and I guess I would I would add, I did think I did think the person that was reporting that they were having these issues and that they, you know, lost their job. Ultimately, uh, this is a non-white person. This could have been racism, white supremacy. Dell said that they just, you know, they had a restructuring of the company and lots of people lost their jobs. I guess that could be as well. Sometimes it could be both, because sometimes when they do that, they disproportionately let go of individuals classified as black. So and I guess that might even be what Mr. Fuller and others are saying, that you have someone who is non-white. Racism, white supremacy was not even mentioned as a potential problem or contributing factor to this. It's all focused on transgender. That's the issue. That's why that they kept saying that you need people to like you in this capacity. I could be an heir. Folks can share a thought if they have a different perspective. Uh, the second report on Miss Robinson, she's an Uber driver down in Texas. Uh, it really struck me. There's video uh, to that report. I shared it online uh, with as I was promoting the segment for this week, black female looks like it could be, you know, your sister, my sister, mom, cousin, niece, whatever, uh, friend, wife. Uh, she's driving. Uh, says this group of white males. They showed some of the photographs. They look like individuals who'd be classified as white and a female was present. I suspect a white woman. I could be in error. Uh, but they said that this white man began asking her to perform sexual acts. He would pay her. <laughs> we talk consistently on this broadcast, workplace racism. We talk about it, racism, white supremacy, period, uh, about rape, maximum, uh, maximum racist aggression on how that's one of the regular ways that white supremacy racism uh, is practiced and how frequently this comes up in a workplace capacity. And this is all the way back to uh, the formal cotton picking plantation days, uh, having uh, black males and black females and children raped, sexually terrorized on a regular basis. This is just continuing a long held, cherished white tradition. We've talked about this a number of times uh, throughout the years. Uh, but to have that happen, that's what I mean about having a code. That's the sort of thing. And I would think especially if you are uh, in such a vulnerable position, you're in a vehicle with even one white person, much less a group of whites. Uh, and this happens immediately. This is supposed to be a short ride, she said. This happens almost immediately. I mean, Wow. As soon as those words come out, my code has got to go in like, wow, this is this is potentially a life, a fatal encounter 
once something like that has been said, once I've been t uh, sexually terrorized like that, wow, I might have to fight for my life in this situation. Got to have a code uh, in terms of sexual assault, people saying uh, sex, making any sort of sexual comment. Uh, and this is everybody, males and females. You got to have a code for that. Uh, she says, you know, that is totally unacceptable. In my view, the ride should have ended right there. Uh, this is uh, in no way like a critique of her or anything like that. Uh, just saying that's such an extraordinary violation on so many levels. The ride is done. There's nothing to discuss. There's nothing to talk about. Like, whoa, can we please get what do they say? If you're going to be stopped by enforcement officials, see if you can get to a lit location. If we can get to, you know, the biggest parking lot possible. Whoop get out and I would be calling enforcement officials to report that. I mean, whoa, whoa, totally unacceptable. And that's part of the thinking, the logic I was playing. <clears throat> Gavin DeBecker's The Gift of Fear. We're reading that in the book club. We did our third segment uh, just 24 hours ago. We got up to chapter seven. We listened to a little bit from uh, chapter five and he talked about the importance of recognizing that people mean you harm, understanding that he said that sometimes people have a difficult time grasping that people want to harm them. And I said, we're in a system of racism, white supremacy. We as non-white people have to grasp that, hey, pfft, things like this are supposed to happen, like really being prepared not being surprised, not being shocked, having a, I've already thought about what I would say. I've already thought about what I would do. If something like this is said, if somebody, you know, anything like this, I've already thought about it. Bam. I just go into my code, say what I say. I do what I do. And, you know, things should work out well because I've already thought about this in advance. That's why I harp on this so much. I uh, just was such a horrendous scene. And then it goes from the sexual terrorism uh, and she shows the black self-respect. Don't talk to me that way. That is totally unacceptable. And then they go total violent terrorism. Oh, you know, good nigger. Uh, and she tells them to get out of the car and they assault her, uh, are cutting her, throwing glass uh, and what have you. I mean, wow. We we have had cows listeners uh, who dialed in and talked about the vulnerability of participating in Uber and Lyft and these sort of services uh, where you are in such uh, close quarters with potential race soldiers and the alcohol. I don't know if the situation they had been drinking, but man, I'd be, I would be more than happy to put down, you know, several quarters on that one, that these were some intoxicated race soldiers. It is such uh, just a dangerous uh, position. I think we've had cows listeners. In fact, who said that they stopped uh, participating in these ride share programs because they felt they were in danger. Uh, we heard some folks who just said, period, that they were not comfortable uh, having white people in their vehicles, uh, that they'd had things happen, uh, and or they were fearful that something like this could happen. And there have been so many cases. I could put together a whole stream of cases of black people uh, being assaulted by white passengers. Frequently, it's at night. A lot of times it looks like it's late at night. Uh, and it looks like the white person could be under the influence. Not that that's an excuse or anything, just saying contributing factor. But even if you're not, you know, doing any uh, driving, 
even if you are in a normal office situation, there are so many instances uh, of workplace violence, the sexually inappropriate comments and what have you, or flagrant sexual molestation. It is mandatory. I put that in the description. Uh, sharing your code, uh, your counter violence code for the workplace. As I said yesterday, uh, Mr. DeBecker, he mentioned all these different sections from the book, people making comments about, oh, yeah, I'm going to come see you. I know your address. This isn't the last time that you're going to see me, buddy. Me and my friends Smith and Wesson are going to pay you a visit. People saying like seeing things like that in a workplace context. And we actually had folks call in and talk about how uh, people had said things to them, things like that to them in the workplace. I think Mr. Demery Ford dialed in yesterday. He said <clears throat> that he had, unfortunately, another victim of racism, a black male uh, who said, uh, I'm going to get locked and loaded. And the first person that I shoot is going to be you. In a workplace setting. And then we had uh, another caller dial in and talk about similar conflict in the workplace. It is mandatory. I think Mr. Demery Ford said in that situation, uh, enforcement officials were called and, you know, the matter was dealt with uh, as it should be. Uh, but that sort of thing, even with other non-white people, that sort of thing is likely to happen. Not saying, you know, hopefully everybody will remain safe, but we are in a system of white supremacy. People are being mistreated all the time. The reason we have this program, people are being mistreated on the job all the time. Uh, so it's very likely that you have people who are frustrated, who are angry, uh, and it might take anything. It might be nothing uh, for them to come out and lash out. Maybe it's just they say something. Maybe they do something. The sexual comments, we talk about that uh, on a regular basis. Uh, so it's just about making sure that folks are prepared. Uh, have you already thought about what you would say? Have you already thought about what you would do, especially if you, you know, in a vehicle situation we have, uh, there are a number of folks who talked about even if they do work in a normal office setting, sometimes they have to ride uh, with other whites for training purposes or they got to go to a site visit or whatever it is. Uh, do you have a code for dealing with things in these different environments? And if so, please share. I think it should be mandatory that you have a counter violence code. What are things that you look for? What do you do? What does your code look like? Is it calling enforcement officials? Are you already armed yourself? Are you leaving the facility altogether? What does your code look like when you notice uh, whatever signals you have already uh, programmed yourself to be alert about? Please share. I think this is super important. If you do not have a code about dealing with counterviolence, being proactive in dealing with counterviolence, great. This can be the beginnings of formulating that code. Uh, I say it regularly. You, we non-white people have to be uh, really vigilant about protecting your safety in the workplace because nobody else is going to care about your safety more than you. If you don't, and I've seen this, unfortunately, on a personal level many, many times, you have to be the one uh, that values your safety, your life, uh, because I can guarantee you, uh, even if you work with other non-white people, you might not be valued as much as you should. With that, let's share uh, some of the emails uh, that folks wrote in. Uh, I think we can get through all of the reports. Oh, man. Man. 
So Gavin DeBecker, yesterday, uh, in the section we read from uh, The Gift of Fear, he said uh, he talked about a snake being put in someone's vehicle. We had a report that I read last week. Uh, It was a black male who filed a lawsuit alleging white supremacy in the workplace. And he said that one of the things that happened uh, was that they put a, a white coworker put a snake in his vehicle and it caused him to become uh, so anxious uh, that he had a heart attack, this black male. And he and it was reported that it was known that this black male was fearful of snakes. So this was like a deliberate terrorist attack here to make him fearful so much so that he had a heart attack. And I think it might have even been known, too, that he had uh, a heart ailment. Right. Uh, so this was last week. And I said uh, last week, mandatory, if you if you know anything about a snake or any sort of uh, animal uh, being placed in someone's vehicle or in your desk at work, your workstation, something like that, mandatory to call in. So the first person who wrote right in uh, says, Gus, I have experience with an animal being put in a vehicle when I made the rank of captain in the military. Someone put a snake in my vehicle over in Iraq during the war, but they didn't know I am not afraid of snakes. I killed it and then proceeded to find out who did it. It was a group of white Marines. I had them brought up on charges. A plus. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I hope we don't have any PETA uh, listeners who are uh, offended about the reptile being uh, terminated in this case. Uh, but <laughs> when when you hear these as patterns, and that's serious, that's serious. I didn't even mean to snicker there because what I said previously, there's a lawsuit about this. A black male had a heart attack. He could have died as a result of this. And for them to say, oh, it was just, you know, it was just a little prank, just having a little, little fun, a little tomfoolery, as they say. These are acts of terrorism. Take it extremely seriously. I mean, life into what I just say could be a fatal encounter. And I think that's what they have in mind uh, with these situations, putting a snake uh, in someone's vehicle. I mean, even if the snake doesn't strike, uh, my goodness, what if the person see, what if the person doesn't see it until they get in the car and are on the road and then they see it and, you know, have an accident, wig out, hit another. I mean, all of and I mean, these are military officials in the Marines, he said. I would think, hey, they should be responsible, right, to know that these type of things could happen. What are we doing here? We're all on the same team fighting for the same country, right? Country of white supremacy. That's what Mr. Fuller says. Next. Thank you kindly for sharing. I'm so glad we got that one in. Uh, Let's see. Next. Person wrote in and called me Brother Gus. I have asked people for a long time, please refrain uh, from calling me, referring to me as Brother as long as we're under a system of white supremacy. Thank you kindly. Uh, I am a union electrician here in the sunny state of Nevada, Vegas. I want to thank you and the other listeners for helping formulate my own code as well as learning how to use it. I am a union steward on the job I am on. So my code stays in use from the time I get to the job job site till the time I leave. I would love to call in someday uh, for a bit. Uh, For the most part, I have to listen to the archives. I've been trying to listen to the book club podcast on iTunes, but I hate to report that I cannot seem to open or play them in their entirety. iTunes has been uh, just a myriad of problems. Uh, The like past year or so, I have not been able to get the uploads to play completely. Even if the entire audio file is uploaded, uh, it will work 
correctly uh, if I upload the file anyplace else, but for some reason it will not do so at iTunes. I suspect uh, racist interference because this has been a problem uh, for basically the duration of the time that we have been on the air a decade now. Uh, but there are a myriad of other sites to access the book club. Uh, Gavin DeBecker, I just referenced, it's on SoundCloud. I posted it there myself yesterday, uh, about an hour after the broadcast concluded. SoundCloud uh, should be Black Talk Radio Network, uh, YouTube, Google Play. Uh, those are at least three or four outlets that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I'll post uh, the links to all of those so that you can stream and or uh, download the book club or any of the other recent uh, uh, programs uh, if you are searching. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, he also said that uh, he requested that uh, one of the callers uh, check the battery in their smoke detector. Uh, he can hear it uh, beeping, and he said that uh, checking the batteries in the smoke detector should be a part of our anti-racist code. I absolutely agree. We have a retired firefighter with us uh, on the broadcast. I am sure uh, he is at least one person and regular participant uh, who would appreciate everyone uh, making that a part of their counter-racist code, uh, having up-to-date batteries in their fire detectors uh, in your residence. Uh, that can be one way we certainly do not want to uh, have to place our lives and major property uh, in the hands of white firefighters who have routinely ended up on segments of workplace racism. We're getting one more much obliged uh, person who wrote in one more for right now and then we'll get the rest as we continue reading. Uh, let's see. All right. Did not call me brother. Uh, thank you for the program. I'm a longtime listener and promote the cows to as many non-white black friends and family. Uh, I think maybe ready to hear your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Share. We appreciate. I have a few workplace racism experiences I'd like to share with you and the listeners. First, I work with National Guard service members as a civilian. I had one suspect racist tell me I was coming out of the bathroom. Hey, you're handsome. Right on time. Right on time. Hey, you're handsome. I replied, thank you, and kept it moving. It was out of the blue, and I barely know this man's name. Number two. One of the suspected race soldiers on the civilian side that I work with slipped up and greeted his suspected race soldier co-worker with a handshake and a hug as if in a fraternity. I highly suspect this race soldier to be part of some right wing. He has that in quotes underground race gang. When I began working here, he wouldn't say a word to me, only ask questions about work after the slip. I noticed he makes it a point to be polite and a lot more friendly than when I first met him and months after. I watch him closely. Number three, a fuel tank driver who delivers fuel to the plantation I work on felt the need to tell me a story about his son and him discussing the word nigger. Wowee, let's see. My first impulse was to just turn and walk away because my non-white black co-worker seemed entertained by this suspect racist's story. 
I could feel the unease in my co-worker, but he allowed the driver to continue his story. I thought it would be better if I stayed and listened for information. He says he told his son that the word nigger means ignorant person and attempted to equate nigger to wop or spick or beaner, etc. He then goes into detail about growing up using phrases like nigger rigged or nigger lipped. Woo. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That that's used in a sentence. <laughs> Let me read this correctly. Woo. He says he told his son that the word nigger means ignorant person and attempted to equate nigger to wop, spick or beaner, etc. He then goes into detail about growing up using phrases like nigger rigged or nigger lipped the cigarette. Nigger lipped the cigarette. If anyone can educate me, I am professing ignorance. Nigger lipped the cigarette. I have not heard that one before. I'm not a smoker. Maybe if I was into the nicotine game a bit more, I'd know what that means. What is nigger lipped the cigarette? Wow. Moving forward with ignorance. He claims that he grew that he grew up there were no black people in his town. So he never equated nigger to black people. And in fact, had the nerve to say at least three times, man, I'm not racist. But. While elaborating on his story, he then says his son asked him about the word nigger because his non-white black friends use it around him a lot. And he wanted to know if it was okay to use the word himself. I was highly suspicious, being that where he's from, there are no black people, as he said earlier. This particular racist suspect also likes to brag about the money he and his wife earn and even pulls out a roll of bills or counts $20 bills in front of us. I thought he was going to say like hundreds, like, you know, be about white supremacist Benjamin Franklin. Like you're just pulling out 20s. Come on, man. They're about to put Harriet Tubman on the 20. Like, come on. Anyway. There is no reason whatsoever to pull money out on the plantation because there's nothing to buy on a flight line. I remember you saying how white people lie a lot. Absolutely. I also remember Mr. Fuller saying how white people love to brag about themselves and what they possess. Absolutely. I want him to continue to think he's a cool white dude so I can continue to extract more information on the system and what it means to be white. Woo, somebody says that is the question. I the question number one. Hey, <laughs> now that we're all friends and everything, what 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 is uh nigga lip the cigarette? What 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 is that exactly? Break that one down for me. <laughs> like, uh, if you could get that, I would be super appreciated. Did I read oh I didn't even read it all. Lastly, I was privy to a race soldier giving some constructive information about how to deal with overseers and co-workers that you may be in conflict with. He happens to have a bachelor's and a master's in human resources. My co-worker was on the phone with our manager who lives and works at another plantation. Our manager got frustrated with my co-worker and told him, I'm sick of your shit, in quotes, and hung up the phone on my co-worker. He was upset and I suggested that if he was planning on calling our local union to report the situation and leave out words like I feel complaints, gripes and the like, as has been suggested in our circle of victims. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> the race soldier told us, and now I'm telling you and the listeners, when there is conversation where a person is being unprofessional and disrespecting another coworker, the best way to bring it to the attention of that person and persons in power is to immediately write an email saying, as per our conversation about XYZ that we disagreed on, the level of unprofessionalism and disrespect will not be tolerated. Oh, I love it. That's all direct quote. Uh, or whatever you need to report and send it out to the person. CC to the management and blind CC anyone else you need to let know what's happening between you and the other person. If there are policy violations, to write those into the email showing that you are reporting on a specific work violation and not making accusations. I love it. Some moron regularly talks about reading policy and procedure in its entirety before you even take the job. Ideally, certainly once you have accepted the job, that is mandatory. You got to read the entire policy and procedure and then you can do brilliant counter racist work like that. If someone is being unprofessional, you can whammo page 35 of our workplace manual about proper decorum in the workplace. Continuing again, thank you for your work and helping non-white black people have folks have a better understanding of the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, white supremacy, and especially ways to help neutralize racism, white supremacy behavior in the workplace. That is the goal. Uh, words are so important. I personally uh, have been in situations where workplace uh, situations where policy and procedure has been violated and or uh, racism, white supremacy has been practiced uh, and or both. And as opposed to we're going to deal with these policy violations uh, and go about a corrective course of action uh, and the person's uh, at fault, culpable, uh, we will deal with them accordingly. It's not that sort of conversation. It's, oh, man, come in here and tell us how you feel. I've had this happen uh, for years, uh, and I would encourage every time uh, if it's a workplace setting and they because sometimes whites, racists, they will attempt to steer you in that direction. They won't start the conversation and say, what would you like to happen to bring about a correct resolution to this situation? That's not how they'll talk. They'll say, hey, tell us how you feel. And you can waste, you know, sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes they'll waste an hour and just, wow, I'm so glad that you told me that. And I can totally understand how you would feel that way. Let me tell you how, and you'll just waste an hour. I am so glad that we now know how each other feels. I think this is great and we can take this and go back. And I think this will give us a better understanding as we move in the workplace. Nothing has been done about how you've been harmed. If racism was practiced, nothing has been done to address that at all. You just talked about how sad it made you feel or how angry or whatever the case is. And we go back out and everybody does the same thing again in about a month or a week or, you know, five minutes, whatever it is. Uh, very important. You're not talking about your feelings. You do not have complaints. You do not have gripes. You have reports of po potential policy violations. Correct language on the job. <clears throat> the studying, uh, again, I think Emmy and other folks have talked about in workplace settings, extracting information uh, where sometimes you don't need to say anything. You can just sit quietly if they want to tell 20 racist jokes. Hmm. I have my recorder on my watch. Bang. So I'll have all these documented and 
I might even sit back and ch- well, I wouldn't encourage chuckle. I've said that consistently. Don't chuckle. But I certainly might sit mum and not say a word. I wouldn't even give them a hmm. I might just sit and listen. Haven't heard that one before. Hmm. What do you call 10 niggers? Hmm. And let them roll. If he wants to tell racist jokes for 20 minutes, listen. Make sure I have my recorder going and don't say a word. I'm just extracting information. He wants to tell about the conversation he had with his son and why his son thinks it's cool to say nigger and how he grew up saying the word and how they nigger lip the cigarette and all the rest. Hmm. I might not say a word. Just sit and listen. Have your recorder on for that one, too, if you can. Uh, folks that do have the recorder, always appreciate details on how you refine your code as you your counter racist code on the job with your recorder. I know we do have some folks who are incorporating that method. Uh, I'll stop there. As I said, other people wrote in uh, as well. Uh, the number is 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If anybody knows what nigger lipped the cigarette, if you know what that means, if you've heard that phrase before, uh, please share. I would like to be caught up on what that phrasing means. Learn something every day. That is what they say. Star six one, if you would like to participate. Uh, a counter violence code. People who have already formulated a counter violence code for the workplace mandatory uh given what happened with miss robinson it happens to non-white people all around the world on a regular basis you've got to have a counter-violence code so we definitely want to hear what your counter-violence code entails uh folks who dialed in star six one if you have thoughts comments to share While folks are spectating, I will again prompt if this means that all the folks who dialed in that are listening live, things are spectacular. They are not having issues. They don't have snakes being left in their vehicle. They don't have folks uh, calling you nigger in the workplace or sexually terrorizing you uh, in the workplace. You don't have any of these issues. Number one, you should still be sharing as to how you were able to accomplish this in a system of racism, white supremacy, because that is staggering. Uh, But if you have done so, once you get your thoughts together as to, you know, details, pointers that you can share so that we can maybe emulate what you've done, make sure you invest, support the cows. You can visit the blog racism-notes.blogspot.com, racism-notes.blogspot.com. PayPal button is in the top right corner. You can also support uh, cash.app forward slash dollar sign the cows. Much obliged for all the folks who have invested and thanks for the folks who invested at Amazon for Prime Day this week, even though they are terrorizing and abusing lots of non-white employees at Amazon as well. Uh, I will read one more workplace racism report and check again. I do see folks getting their hands together, but since we do have a number of reports, we'll try to get through as many as we can. All right. Uh, This one is Kizzy's cousin. She writes in. 
I thought I'd relay an experience from another previous plantation this week. I worked in a mainly white organization. Me and another black female started working for the company around the same time, but in different teams. We built a good relationship in and outside the work, in and outside of work, and everything was going well for a while, but the people there were very racist and didn't try to hide it very much. The other black female was experiencing extreme mistreatment from her racist female manager. The race soldier also had a strange fascination with me. At the end of a team meeting, she walked over to me and said, I just want to tell you, I think you are absolutely beautiful. Mm. I was watching you during a meeting. Almost sounds like Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, Justine Dahmer. I felt so uncomfortable. I don't even think she had spoken to me before this revelation, and I've been working at the company for months by this point. It's not unusual for women to compliment another female. True. This is not often sexual as far as I know, but this unnerved me. I did not take it as a compliment and kept away from her from that point forward. We have heard or I have heard uh, a number of reports from black uh, females in workplace settings where it's that same sort of gaze, but it's almost like uh, a hostile, uh, maybe sexual, uh, necrophilic, like consumptive gaze. But it's not. What would I say beyond it? It's it's incorrect. It's racist, but there's a hostile element to it, like. Uh, an envy, uh, Dr. Wells, that color envy, uh, lots of things, especially I, I've heard this people say, especially if it's a, it's a younger uh, non-white female, younger black female, she's still in her childbearing years, uh, she's more attractive. Wow, really goes up where you get this sort of intense, almost glaring. Mm, you're so attractive. Mm. <laughs> They're thinking about consuming you, delectable Negro. Uh, let's see. Uh, I observed the Voltron effect taking place, which at first was directed at the other non-white female, and it did not matter what she did. Everything became a problem. It got so bad. I did try to speak up for her and to the non-white, non-black CEO, married to a white female and extremely white identified cowbell. I tried to explain that maybe... That I tried to explain that what may be perceived as negativity is unhappiness because of how she is being treated. He told me I should not get involved. As time went on, the racism directed towards both of us escalated and I decided to leave. I found a new job, but they increased their terrorism as I worked my notice period. It got so bad, I raised the matter with human resources and requested that I work from another office. They complied. I also put in a written complaint during this time, initially to the CEO, who was also terrorizing me by this time, then escalated the matter to HR. Uh, written report. <sighs> Unfortunately, the mistreatment we were experiencing affected the relationship between me and the non-white female. She became distant with me and I guess me with her. When I told her HR was moving, was moving me, her response was, how come nobody listens to me when I say anything? I understood at the time this was due to her being terrorized, but I didn't appreciate being on the receiving end of her frustration not least because she was aware of how I was being mistreated. 
After I left, I contacted her to give her a copy of my complaint. I had no ill feelings towards her, and I knew they were trying to sack her unjustly. I gave her my document so that she could use it to support any case she was going to make. We did not contact each other after that point. More than a decade later, it does not leave me feeling good relaying this report, particularly the damaged relationship with the non-white female. I hope other non-white people gain a level of understanding and learn some lessons from my experience. Wow. Much obliged for sharing such <clears throat> a personal anecdote. I've said that for a long time. I think it does take quite a bit of courage, black self-respect, some may say, uh, to publicly disclose some of these incidents that are not you know, my moment of glory, you know, frequently in terms of being mistreated on the job uh, or having a relationship that, uh, as they say, sometimes goes sour uh, in the workplace with another victim of racism uh, because of how both of you are being mistreated. That is so common. That came up yesterday during uh, the book study. Uh, Gavin DeBecker, non-white uh, people having conflict, conflict uh, in the workplace, the root of it directly indirectly is always someone classified as white, as was the case in this situation. Uh, it happens so frequently. That's what we talk about all the time, having a code to try to minimize this because it's so easy uh, to just end up getting frustrated uh, with that other black person. And you can forget it becomes, I think for all of us, we're human. If you're in pain, if you're being mistreated, and especially if it's something that affects your job, how you support yourself, Wow, that frustration, uh, it can take you to a lot of places. I mentioned that already in this broadcast. Uh, and a lot of times we just strike out at other victims. That's easiest. A lot of times it's safer uh, to strike out at other victims, even in the workplace. So that's what we do. Uh, so it's important having that code, being prepared for this, and then having a code to just try to minimize it as best you can. But it is so, so common. It is so difficult to avoid, especially if, you know, you're in a work environment where you have victims of racism, they're married to white people or they're victims, uh, but they might be especially white identified. That also can be something where it might, you know, test your patience uh, a little bit. And, you know, keeping in mind, this person is being intensely victimized. Um, woof, it can just be a stressful situation on many accounts. Uh, so, that is something we try to be mindful of. I try to encourage victims. Uh, that's a big part of how this system works. Stay alert in the workplace. Thank you uh, kindly for sharing. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in uh, with a hand up. Uh, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings, everyone. Uh, the beeping is maybe me uh, in itself. Uh, I uh, sometimes uh, let the uh, the batteries uh, wear out, uh, but uh, the uh, the uh, system is. Uh, hooked up to uh the house's the house uh electrical system in itself so um i'm still safe when i go to sleep at night <laughs> the retired firefighter you're you're listening to a person who uh uh used to set cornfields on fire when he was a child so <laughs> it's 
ironic that I ended up being a fire a fireman. Uh, but anyway, uh, workplace racism. Unfortunately, uh, the uh, situation was involved. If it, involves a non-white person that's racially classified as black, uh, talking about a contractor who I hired to uh, uh, install uh, accordion hurricane shutters around the house. Uh, he required a deposit, which I dutifully gave him a deposit. And uh, that was actually back in the month of May. And as of July the what, 19th, the day of the 19th? Yes, sir. Uh, as of July 19th, 2019, I still have not received a completed installation of accordion hurricane shutters. So, uh, I lost total patience and trust of this person's ability or intentions, whichever one it is, or both, uh, to uh, perform the job. So I'm going through the process of uh, uh, getting my getting a refund of that uh, and uh, just taking some incremental steps. Uh, in the process of uh, obtaining that, so uh, that's my uh, that's my situation. Uh, I would I would deem it workplace racism uh, because of the intentional intent of attempting to hire a non-white black person, uh, and it's obvious to this person because he knows uh, uh, my uh, quote unquote brother stays across the street from him, actually, uh, that uh, he is, is aware of one of the reasons on why he was hired by me. And uh, in turn, uh, he was uh, either unwilling or unable to deliver what uh, he was paid to do. So uh, just like it says in the movie Godfather, it's not personal. Sonny is business. So uh, that's the uh, remedy to this problem. And uh, thank everybody for listening. Mm. Sorry to hear that. I know a uh, retired firefighter. That is kind of ironic. Uh, retired fire, in addition to being a cornfield arsonist, uh, having <laughs> not fresh batteries in the smoke detector as well. Like, wow, what a... What an example for the firefighter, but neither here nor there. <laughs> um, that is unfortunate with the uh, shutters uh, situation. Uh, I know you had talked before about uh, doing some repairs to your roof uh, and being intentional as well, at being intentional uh, with that project as well about wanting to hire uh, black workers to do the repairs to the roof. Uh, and this seeming like another project. Uh, with your house uh, and trying to do the same thing, supporting black business, as they say. Uh, and this came up uh, yesterday 
during the book club, I said it's almost like we had two uh, workplace racism because uh, the book itself had lots of portions that are uh, about workplace racism. And then the people that called in also right of line had, you know, incidents in their life that uh, reflected what was talked about in the book. But um, this came up yesterday. One of our listeners uh, where she was saying uh, that she was considering a, a suit against a black uh, worker. I think it's black uh, business owner uh, who had wronged them uh, financially, same type of thing, and that they uh, had agonized about this and didn't want to be in conflict uh, with another black person and that they are trying to support black businesses and to have it all come to this. Like, you know, they were really agreed, but, you know, replacing white supremacy with justice is supposed to be about ending uh, all forms of mistreatment. Uh, The system of white supremacy uh, devalues black people worldwide, non-white people worldwide, and everybody, white people and non-white people are conditioned, encouraged uh, to uh, frequently rewarded uh, to mistreat other black people, other non-white people. So, you know, this is rampant. I think that is a part of ending uh, the system of racism is saying that, you know, uh, mistreating uh, mistreatment is out of business uh, from everybody. We do not tolerate mistreatment uh, in any form, even from other black people. We should be doing the correct thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's regrettable. But, hey, I, I think uh, doing whatever uh, you deem necessary and correct uh, to go about resolving the situation. Uh, I think that's the correct thing to do. And uh, unfortunate, all I can say, but that is business. That is, uh, again, I would say the people that are most to blame the system of white supremacy. but neither here nor there. I would be going about the correct uh, procedure to uh, recoup your funds. Um, yeah, I'm sorry you have to report that. With the with the roof, with the roof, uh, I hired a non-white black person uh, and my sister hired him also. Uh, my sister uh, lost patience with this person and uh, basically went through proceedings to uh, get her, well, not get her money back, but he, he was actually uh, a subcontract, I think it's called, of a company. And in turn, with her pressure, uh, because he wasn't uh, uh, applying his work correctly on her roof, uh, the owner had to come out and get the, and get the work done, get the work completed on her house. You know, but uh, basically with, with me, uh, uh, I kind of like, uh, basically, uh, stayed patient more, a little bit more patient with the guy and kept calling him. And, uh, in turn, he was, uh, the, the inspector, you know, that people have to inspect the city, have to inspect the work. And, uh, they made him come back, uh, at least once. And in turn, they made him get it right. And uh, from there, I was able to get my roof completed. Uh, but uh, with, you know, people got different uh, levels of patience and my sister didn't tolerate him at all after he was uh, actually p- applying the wrong materials because her house is older. And uh, he was applying the wrong materials and she stopped him right then abruptly. He kept calling me. <laughs> he kept calling me. I said, don't call me. You have to. You you're gonna have to deal with her yourself. 
uh, uh, you know, in, in, in this business world that we we're, that we're in, uh, uh, you know, you're gonna have to call her, not me. You know, it, it basically, I was kept telling them over and over again, and uh, finally, that was able to uh, get straightened out with her roof. But uh, yeah, it's it's complicated, you know, with contractors with your with your personal items, especially, you know, most of most non-white black people, the most ex- uh, financial worthiest thing that they have is their their quote unquote home, uh, you know. Uh, uh, although that's not entirely true at all that we do own that we own homes, but nevertheless, uh, you use it for different things. But uh, you know, very important on who you hire. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter. Um, I guess that should be something as well, perhaps uh, having a code in terms of how we function, uh, deal with uh, black business owners. Uh, if we patronize them, uh, if there should be a disagreement uh, or a problem uh, and, and the codif- a codified way to go about resolving uh, that manner, that might be something that's important as well. I think we've had a number of non-white people who've reported having problems uh, with other non-white people in the workplace. Uh, and even uh, specifically, as I said, uh, like black uh, business owners. Uh, and again, the system of white supremacy is it's not designed to produce harmony, uh, especially if we're talking about all victims of racism. We're talking about uh, people that are subject to terrorism, uh, that are being mistreated. Uh, who knows what kind of circumstances, uh, extra uh, related circumstances are relating to why this person is behaving, functioning uh, in this manner. So. It's a lot to keep in mind, but all of that, you know, <laughs> be that as it may, I think it still would serve uh, probably a lot of us to have a code. So we're already thinking about, uh, hey, that's great. I'm supporting black business. If I'm going to hire this person to do work on my property or vehicle or whatever it is, uh, I'm going to hire this person to do some legal work for me. Uh, I'm already going to have things in place uh, to make sure that there's not a dispute. And if there is, this is the way to go about handling the situation. Um to be kind of proactive about that. I think that might be a helpful strategy. Very, very important. Very important. Yes, sir. Decals again, neutralizing workplace racism. Number to dial is 605-313-5164. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate, uh, especially folks, if you have counter violence codes, uh, as I said, that should be uh, mandatory. Uh, if you're an attempted counter racist, you've been studying white supremacy racism uh, at some level, at any level, uh, you should have a counter violence code uh, to help keep you safe in the work environment. Share elements of that code. Uh, with listeners. Uh, if you don't have a code, fine. This can be uh, the beginnings of how you think about what are things that I should be paying and paying attention to in the workplace? What am I going to do uh, if somebody is saying something uh, that I think that I think is threatening if they're saying it to me directly? They're saying it to somebody, you know, in my presence. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? Do I call? Am I calling enforcement officials? Am I leaving? Am I reporting this? 
uh, to someone? Is it somebody here that I'm going to try and let them know what's happening so that maybe we can both uh, try to escape or get ourselves to a safer position? Uh, if it's a, some sort of sexual remark, uh, we heard from you know the Uber driver already having in place where you've already thought about these are the types of responses that I would give in terms of verbally. This is what I would do if I needed to do something physically, if that means leave or whatever else. Thinking about that in advance puts you in a much better position. Uh, let's see. Uh, while I wait to nab some of our other folks who dialed in, read one more workplace racism report written in. <laughs> Kizzy's cousin wrote two reports this week. How about that? Uh, so she says, uh, in my earlier report, I wrote about my experience working at a plantation Earlier in my career, it reminded me of our other brazen, racist, and trifling ex experiences uh, there and at other plantations, which I'll aim to surmise in this and future broadcast reports. Number one, I worked with I worked with the company before being interviewed for a job there. I had not been informed whether or not I was successful, but needed to speak to my prospective manager on another matter. At the end of the call, he asked me if I'd made a decision. I asked him what he was talking about. He then realized that he had not told me I was successful and asked if I would accept the job. At the time, I put this down to forgetfulness, but I learned this was down to his racist contempt and was an omen of things to come. Man, can't even be a, a celebratory moment when you get hired for a job, man. Number two, uh, on another occasion, we were attending an external meeting and I decided to drive. He made a comment that I kept my car really clean, which I was both offended and confused by. Weeks later, he was chaperoning some Japanese businessmen who were visiting the company. He had the audacity to ask if he could use my car to drive them around. I said no. Black self-respect. I think uh, many folks uh, may have thought, hey, you know, this might be a way where I can, uh, what do they call, earn some brownie points? That might be a Wellsing moment. Uh, earn some brownie points and uh, maybe, you know, this will put me in better standing when my performance review comes up or if it's time for a promotion or what have you. But I think that is an excellent decline. Uh, they can rent vehicles. I'm sure they have a budget if it's really that important and they want to show off a nice pristine vehicle uh, for these business, uh, Japanese businessmen that they're entertaining. Uh, let's see. Next. Number three. Two years later, he decided to leave the organization. He did not tell me. I found out through others. He then, they then organized a leaving lunch for him and another extremely racist female. I did not go as he did not see fit to communicate with me. I figured I would also not make the pretense or waste my coins. I've said for a while, uh, if you do not have to participate in these engagements, because they will, at least in my experience, there are many jobs. Uh, if it's a lot of whites there, they will make an excuse uh, for a party, uh, any kind of reason, uh, have a luncheon together, organize some sort of celebration. We need to get cakes and chips and donuts and all the rest of the nonsense. Uh, I would recommend avoiding that if you don't have to. Uh, it's just, you know wasting time and frequently an opportunity for something tacky. Uh, a lot of times they don't have the healthiest food options. Uh, and I've said consistently that should also be a part of our uh, code in the workplace. Uh, I'm not going to sit around and consume vittles that they've cooked or brought in. And, you know, who knows what has happened to the items. Leave all that to the side. I came here to work 
to work, not to party. Congratulations. Moving on to great things, I'm sure. And keep it, but got lots of work to do. My goodness. Woo. Back to my desk, getting things done. That's the type of attitude I would display. Checking in to see if uh, other folks, uh, comments, questions, suggestions. Again, workplace racism code. Do you have a code if folks are making, uh, if it's a potentially violent environment? I think that's super important. Uh, if somebody has said something, somebody has done something, what signals are we looking for? What are you going to do? Have you already thought about these things? What are you going to say? Have you already planned this out? If you have not, give it some thought. You can be working on your code now, but definitely uh, if folks already have that together, share and or if you have other uh, suggestions on what's been discussed thus far, you have your own situation. Feel free to chime in star six one for folks who are with us. Apparently, folks are spectating. I would hope the people that uh, are dialed in that are listening, if they are spectating, hopefully things are going smashing on the job and you're not having any of these uh, tacky problems uh, in your work environment. Hopefully. Uh, let's see. Other folks who wrote in, maybe folks just spent their time writing in this week as opposed to dialing in. Next person who wrote in. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I'll just read. I was a bit confused, but I'll read. I'm writing back to the cows uh, to report that I have finally managed to get off my plantation. I dedicated my time and energy to getting a basic uh, IT certification, and that helped me land my new job. Congratulations. The interview was in person, too, and not digital this time. Oh, okay, I, got, I was a little confused. So this person wrote in previously about having a digital interview. So you do not talk to a direct person. Uh, you have questions and what have you, and you do a recording. It's a video recording, and they review, I guess, your, the answers and your video submission and let you know. Okay, so you got an in-person interview, got the job, great. The interview was in-person and not digital. I managed to get the certification through self-study. Reading is more important than watching television. Grandsester, I will be assisting with technology at a middle high school. I will be codified from day one thanks to the cows and ready to put workplace racism strategies to work. I have already started reviewing the handbook as suggested on the program and getting my uniform together. My concern is that due to this being a school environment, silence won't be much of an option and I will have to be social with students and teachers. Since I will be assisting with technology, my interactions may be limited, but they will still occur, and I'm still thinking of the best codification for dealing with the students and the teachers. I recall Mr. Fuller stating that by age 16, every white person knows the rules, so codification towards the young race soldiers in training is a big concern for me. I also mentioned on my previous report that on my previous plantation, how I would get referred to as honey or sweetie by my former racist suspect female co-workers. I have a young appearance and expect for some racist suspect teachers to question my age or where I went to school and I'm in am stuck on coming up with the best codified response to this question without coming off as the angry black male, 
Would this count as another example of Dr. Tommy J. Curry's The Man Not Top 10 uh, Race Class Genre and the Dilemmas of Black Manhood? For the listeners and callers that have worked in our in or currently work on an education plantation, what are some of the best codification strategies to use in regard to racist suspect teachers, staff, parents, and young race soldiers in training, and confused non-white teachers, staff, parents, and students? Wow, what a question. I know we do have uh, Black people who are listening, who are working in the education field. Uh, So he says, what codification strategies have folks worked out to neutralize conflicts, problems with other teachers, staff, parents, white and non-white? And the students have folks worked out strategies. Very important. A lot of problems come up for black educators uh, in these uh, environments. So I would definitely say it's something to think about Uh, with regards to the, I guess, having a youthful appearance, they might say. uh, I would just ask. I think that's one if if it happens on this new work setting where you have some coworkers, white people or even non-white people. And they're saying, oh, hey, honey. Oh, hey, sweetie. I would just ask, you know, is uh, could you please refrain from uh, referring to me as honey or sweetie or baby or whatever else it is? Uh, my name is, you know, whatever, Mr. Rogers. Uh, if you could just call me Mr. Rogers, thank you. I would just do that. Uh, and I would do that early, especially since you're starting out on a new job. It's great. You can get everything set uh, in a constructive, like you can lay down a constructive foundation for how you want to be treated and how you behave in the workplace. You can start with a codified slate uh, beginning the new job. So I would just say that if anybody's calling you that, uh, if it's them saying, I guess if you you're a young looking person and so it's, you know, how old are you? Uh, you know, where did you go to school? Uh, I guess you can just decide. Do you want to answer those questions truthfully? If the answer is no, uh, I would just, you know, think I'm, you know, I am someone who routinely says I don't discuss my, you could just say that I don't discuss my age. I think that's, I've heard that from people. I don't discuss my age, uh, in public or just leave it at that. Less is better. I don't discuss my age. Uh, if they ask, uh, where you went to school, uh, I don't know if that's routine to share. I feel like in some work, uh, some workplaces, people do share that information pretty freely. Like I, I went to the local university or, you know, wherever, if they want to brag, I went to Ivy League school. If you don't want to share uh, where you went to school, you could say that. But I mean, I would think in this sort of job, they would probably be able to go look at your personnel folder, I would think. So they might be able to get that information from your job application or what have you. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if, if you don't want to share. Don't share. Uh, I would just say we could probably get some suggestions from listeners. Uh, do you all share that information on jobs? Like if someone asks where you go to school, do you share that information? Uh, if we have people who do not share that information, uh, perhaps if you have a code uh, about, you know, how you respond to that question, do you just say, hey, I don't discuss uh, my personal background uh, in the workplace or I don't discuss my personal background at school? Leave it at that. Uh, do folks have a code on that one? Uh, and or if the black educators that are with us, if you could share your code on how you deal with white teachers, white parents, white students, black teachers, non-white teachers, non-white parents, non-white students, that would be great uh, since we have someone who's asking for that specifically. 
Uh, let's see, some of the other folks who dialed in. Maybe these are some of our educators, uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up. Proceed. Hello. Greetings, Hi, greetings Irie. I hope you uh, are safe down there in Louisiana. Oh, I'm great. Every Everybody's okay. Thank you for that. Um, hello, everyone on the line. I um, Part of my code for uh, white uh, so-called educators, um, if I know I'm going to be interacting with a paraprofessional or a teacher, um, aide or like a student teacher, I'll... I, I ask questions. What are they going over right now? Uh, what's the, what's been the the lesson plan or the course subject for the week, so forth and so on. And then I also ask, is there anything in particular I need to be aware of for health and safety reasons? Um, so, for instance, if someone in the classroom has seizures, allergies, or behavior disorders, that's when I, I ask that to get um, that clarified right away. Um, with confused non-white teachers, it's been hard to codify with them because part of their code, I, I suspect personally from how they've treated me is to avoid me um, because they don't want to be associated most of the time in historically for me with someone who is obviously black and obviously um, non, uh, not white identified. So I don't have a code yet, but uh, I would say baseline is professional courteous. Good morning, good afternoon. I always speak to any non-white people I see, um, you know, in general. And as far as confused um, well, students, as far as confused non-white students, I, I stay in the question lane with them as well. If they're doing something uh, uh, destructive to the environment, I'll say, um, is there something you're not understanding? Are you feeling okay? What's going on? Um, or if they're being uh, aggressive or um, showing some type of hostility toward me, I'll even say, uh, what have I done to you that caused offense so I can correct it? And half the time they'll be like, I don't know, or you didn't do anything. And then I'll be able to say, you know, well, can we try to work together to do X, Y, Z? And if they say yes or they don't say anything, I'll say, hey, I'll be back to check on you. I'm here to help you. Or if it's that bad where they need to leave, I say to them, hey, listen, unfortunately, I have other students I have to help. I can't keep deviating. So um, what if you go to a teacher you like or maybe if we go to the office for a break and I'll let them know you just need a break, you're not in trouble, um, you know, maybe we can try that. And when they hear that half the time, they stop and at least just neutralize their behavior that's, um, you know, distractful. As far as uh, racist children, um, it's a it's a day-by-day thing. Um, I do note when I go to particular schools, because I love to teach, um, if I go to a school in a classroom and I know I've seen certain children before I had certain classes before, I try to remember, oh, yeah, that's the kid that 
did this, that, or the other, and I just present the question main situation, or you doing okay today? Okay, this is what we have going on. You think we'll be all right, or do you need to, you know, go to another teacher's classroom and just go, you know, from there? So, oh, and one other thing, I also um, talk to the kids when I ask them to do something. I say, ladies and gentlemen, and then I'll say, please and thank you. And then I also, if a child is doing something that is incorrect, I'll say, hey, listen, with peace and love, you know, we really need you to, you know, you know, act correctly or whatever it is. But I, I do notice when I say peace and love, especially dealing with kids that are in so-called urban settings, it throws them for a second, but then they kind of don't have a, a negative comeback for it all the time. It's like, okay, I can't possibly do what I've been doing before. She just let it be known she has nothing against me, um, you know. So that's that. I'll meet my line for now. Thanks. Much obliged. Thank you for the uh, detailed report. That is great. Like I said, I think we have uh, a number uh, of educators who listen, participate uh, in the broadcast, so they might have perspective. We have any other uh, black educators, if you have thoughts or uh, specific codification techniques that you have uh, learned uh, comprised in your time on the job with how you relate to uh, white educators, non-white educators, uh, white parents, non-white parents, white students, non-white students. Uh, if you have codification that you've pieced together based on your understanding of racism and your time on the job, please share. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hello. Us and listeners. Um, I work, this is a caller from Virginia. I work in higher education, so I don't know how much higher it really is, but um, that's a metaphor, I would say. Um, but I will share a couple of things about my code. Um, in my role, we do have some students who work in our office, and most often it seems to be um, Black students who come in to work in our office as student workers. So my code with them um, is to always speak, introduce myself, ask them to come to my office and share with me what they're studying, and then engage them steadily in work because I notice that other people in our office don't necessarily utilize those students. So they end up kind of just sitting at their desk studying or not really engaging with the work. So I try to be one of the people who pays attention to them and gives them the opportunity to ask me questions about what I'm doing or to give them different tasks so that somebody is actually interacting with them. Because I think it's unfortunate that sometimes people will just, you know, hire a student worker and then not really utilize them to their um, ability, which is a, a missed opportunity for the students because they are in a professional environment. They should have the opportunity to learn from those of us who are there. But um, I noticed that I'm one of the few people who makes it um, my business to interact with the student worker, and I believe it's because the student worker is usually black. Um, uh, my code with black coworkers is to try to help them. There was a situation recently, there was a, a colleague of mine, I sent her an email and she sent me a reply that seemed just really um, abrupt. And she said, honestly, I don't know how to do that. And so I called her right away. 
And I said, be careful about putting that in an email. And I whispered it to her so that she knew that I was trying to share some secret information with her. But um, her response to me was, well, you know what? It doesn't matter because I resigned today. I said, what? what? What happened? I mean, she was fairly new. She'd only been there for a couple of months. So I said, come to my office and, and chat with me and, and let me know what's going on. You know, what happened? And she shared with me um, that her, her coworkers in the area where she worked, she's in another building, but in the same, you know, big department, um, she shared that her coworkers were doing some of the things that we talk about here on the cows, not inviting her to lunch. She felt ignored. I guess she felt like she wanted to be invited. Um, and they weren't giving her assignments that were clear. They weren't training her. And she said she found herself just, you know, sometimes sitting at her desk watching Netflix and she was very frustrated by it. So she ended up just leaving. And the day that she announced her resignation to her boss, her boss said to her, well, why did you waste my time? So that was her boss's um, response to her resignation. Um, so that's that. Um, one other thing, oh, in reference to what retired fire, firefighters said about workers at the home, my code is to hopefully have black workers at my home if I have things that I have to do. Um, just this week, it's funny he should mention this story, but just this week, I got a referral from a black neighbor for somebody to power wash my house. And when I spoke to the guy on the phone, because my, you know, I'm thinking that, oh, my neighbor's my neighbor is black, she's going to refer somebody black to me. I, when I called the guy, he sounded black, so I was like, okay, cool, you know, here's a black worker. But when they came to the house, it was two white guys. So I was a little bit um, upset that I ended up having to give some money to um, white folks because I think that they don't need as much as we do, and I would have preferred to actually do business with a black person. Um, but then my last comment is a question. Um, Gus, you've asked us before about how we share workplace racism with our kids. And my oldest, um, my daughter, is actually doing an internship in Florida. So this is her first real experience in a professional environment. And she had a situation this week. She's had a variety of situations. I mean, this, this is everywhere. So even though this, she's a young student, she's 21, you know, she's experiencing things. But this week um, she was sitting in a meeting and a white colleague, I guess we could call him, was sitting next to her on his phone looking at guns. And she got really uncomfortable with it. So she sends me a text she, text, and she said, "Ugh, you know, this white guy is looking at guns in this meeting. Get me out of here. And so my question to everyone is, what should I suggest to her that her code should be? Because all I said to her was, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Don't, you know, just hang in there. You'll be home in a couple of weeks. But it, I didn't tell her how to deal with it. And now that we're talking about this, I think I should probably make a suggestion to her, like, you know, if you see that in the future, here's what you should do. If you see somebody, you know, actively looking at guns or talking about guns, because that's kind of the culture. Um, so just a question that I have for everyone, um, if anybody has any feedback on that. And that's all I have. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing caller in Virginia <laughs> the coon man uh let's see wow there's so much uh great information um make sure i get out my kudos black self respect looking out for the black interns engaging with them and making sure that's the whole purpose of interning not to sit there like a bump on a pickle uh and do your homework or read or some other assignment or what have you it's supposed to be what do you all do here 
what is it like to work here? Can I do some of the assignments so I can learn what it's like to work? That's what the point of being an intern uh, is, I thought. Like, uh, yeah, so black self-respect for making sure to engage with the uh, black interns. Uh, We can come back to what you shared about your colleague who resigned. I I do think that's important too, though. But uh, the situation with your uh, daughter and interning in Florida, I said on this very program, what's your code for violence in the workplace? It's such a common thing. You got to have a code for violence in the workplace. Whammo, this would be another reason why. Haven't we talked about this repeatedly? Uh, on the workplace racism specifically, because we've had so many people uh, who have brought up either white people talking about guns on the job, bringing in uh, guns and ammo type literature on the job uh, or other things that are promoting uh, the whole guns and ammunition culture, in addition to concealed carry permits and the weapons sometime and all of that. Uh, And I've said that's something that should be addressed seriously. Uh, I think one potential response uh, that can be made if you're in Florida, I take advantage of, you know, the environment that I'm in. Uh, I would this is the way that it can be presented. Safety. That's the word that I one of the key words that I recommend all the time. Nobody should be against promoting a safe work environment. You could go to the supervisor, the boss, whomever, ma'am, sir. <clears throat> We're in the great state of Florida. The Pulse nightclub shooting was, you know, not that long ago, 2016. They had the school shooting not that long ago, just right here down the road. Uh, I'm just not real comfortable uh, with having talk about gun culture, uh, guns and ammunition. I mean, is that what we do here? Is that what this company is? I don't know where she's interned at, but I mean, is that what we do here? Are we about, you know, producing firearms and promoting firearms like it just... I just don't feel safe, uh, and I don't know that that sort of culture uh, and content, I don't know that that promotes a safe work environment. Now, that's just, that's why I say sometimes it's great to practice, because you can come up with even better wording, more efficient, you can make it shorter, you can add a sentence or three, but that would be around the gist of it. It would be almost mandatory. I don't feel safe. The word safe would have to be included uh, because that and that get that puts you in. I would check policy and procedure. I don't know where she is, but I would make sure to check it because some companies have already have policy in place about whether or not this is acceptable in the workplace. I know there are some uh, jobs where this is not acceptable uh, to come in and talk about or the, any of that. Uh, so I would check that uh, if there's anything there uh, about safety in the workplace that can be used. Whammo, you can include that as well. But. I would just it would be short. You know, we were here. I would we're in Florida. I don't know what city specifically, but hey, we're in Florida. They just had major shootings right here down the road from wherever we are that impacted a lot of people. And I'm one. I don't feel safe with that sort of thing being discussed in the workplace. I don't think it promotes uh, a safe work environment. Is it anything that can be done about that? Because I always like to ask a question. That's one way uh, that could be dealt with, that it could be dealt with. Uh, but I, my view is to take that seriously because they have so many. I just pulse. This is just in Florida. They have so many of the of these types of incidents 
That's what the system of white supremacy is about. And that's that was mentioned yesterday in the gift of fear, having some employee come in and you never know who's disgruntled. You never know, you know, who just wants to be violent. You never know who the race soldier who's going to go on a, a killing spree that day. He was talking about that sort of thing. People talking about guns and ammunition and all of that, even if it's uh, what they say, lighthearted. Uh, that that's still something to take serious and still something to take note of. That's the type of thing that I think of when we talk about a counter violence code for the workplace being mindful. Uh Oh, this is not the sort of thing that should be just casually talked about in the workplace. Like, whoa, whoa, are you armed? I mean, it's a lot to think about with somebody bringing that up in the workplace. That's one way. Uh, do we have any other folks who have thoughts about uh, if you and a 21 year old to keep that in mind, young person? first starting out in the work environment so you're interning too uh and this white person is is bringing up guns and ammo type things in the workplace would you say anything and what specific words would you use if you're going to say something yes sir can i be heard i'll wait oh (laughs) all right retired firefighter uh yes one 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 advantage uh, of the uh, last caller's uh, offspring is is that she is just coming out of some sort of training uh, uh, school of train uh, uh, you know some kind of training program. So uh, I would mention that, and even if it's not true, it probably is true that they being being a this sort of thing that. Uh, happens into schools and workplaces, you know, people showing up with guns. They probably talk about that in the, in the, uh, in the training process now, uh, where students are, you know, learning. Uh, and I would mention that to the employer that this is something that we studied. And, uh, I, uh, witnessed something that made me quite uncomfortable and it goes along with what we studied with see something, say something. Uh, uh, issues that we talked about in our classroom, and I just wanted to bring that up to you, uh, that uh, I, I witnessed a, an employee that was uh, looking at firearms in the workplace. And uh, being that uh, such a interest is so far off from uh, what we are here to be working for, uh, it becomes a concern uh, and I would like to uh, be comfortable, and I'm pretty sure everyone likes to be comfortable at work. You know, sort of sort along that 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 particular uh, train of uh, communication. And uh, more than likely, what that person would do is go directly to that source. They would go directly to that source and 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 uh, deal with it from there, because now it would be a situation to whereas some sort of supervisory position has been informed of something. And now it would be in their responsibility, so to speak, to be able to, to have to uh, address that, that problem. That sounds uh, like it make, makes any sense. Very logical. Yes. Um, thank you. Sorry. I would substitute the word safe for comfortable. It was brilliant, but 
I would just substitute okay. safe for comfortable in that. I think that is home run. That word safe is in a workplace setting is substantially more serious. I think that that has a much different uh, effect saying that I do not feel safe where it makes me feel unsafe as opposed to comfortable. Other than that, brilliant. Yeah, my mistake. My mistake. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a retired fireman. So the word safe safety has been uh, with me for a long time. So, yeah, that sounds like a, a better word. Yeah. Uh, additionally, oh, if the I, I, maybe it's a cliche, the, the accommodation word pep peeve. And if I have one. It's the whole idea of someone addressing me as honey, sweetie, baby. Uh, For the most part, I get it on other people's jobs. In other words, service jobs, that sort of thing. You go into a store and someone's addressing the customers like that. Uh, It just turns my stomach. You know, really, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure on what the nature is on why why it aggravates me so much, uh, but it does. And uh, I have a habit of basically, just like I've said on this program countless number of times, right to the point of someone stating that to you, let them know that I would like not to be addressed in such a manner. In such a manner, at, at all, uh, uh, and they ask why. I said because I think it's a condescending. Uh, it's condescending in its address, and I would prefer uh, to when I'm engaging with you, is to address you as sir or ma'am, and I would like to be addressed in the same way, and keep it moving. You know, uh, so I mean, that's that's oh, <laughs> uh, it was it was one more thing I just can't think of right now that was talked talked about that I had a uh, a potential remedy for, but uh, I'll uh, when I remember it, I'll I'll state it. You just can't think of it right now. It'll come back to me as soon as I shut up. Okay. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Uh, Irie, did you want to respond to this one as well? Uh, yeah, I um, was thinking what um, all of you have said so much um, so far, like the see something, say something situation, checking the uh, standard operating procedures to see what they say about literature on the job, and citing that in the email. And um, I would say, you know, if she feels, because she's an intern and everything, um I would, you know, maybe even send it anonymously to whoever the supervisor is. If if it's a, a enough people where they uh, wouldn't be able to tell, you know, who sent it, like make up an email and send it so that way she doesn't have any, you know, um, backlash from it or there's no snitching involved. Like, oh, yeah, the, new ter- the intern told on you looking at your gun magazines again, you know, or whatever. Um yeah, that's the only other thing I was going to add about it. There was one comment I wanted to make about something. I don't know if it was last workplace racism or the one before that, but I heard someone was basically terrorized with a snake in a vehicle. Um, I believe that's what I heard. And I'm not absolutely sure, you know, what the state says 
that, that the person's in, but I think that you could that could be considered um, aggravated battery because it's a, a, a snake, especially depending on what kind of snake. If it's like, you know, a, a, like boa constrictor or something, you know, something that wraps around people or whatever, just a snake in general because so many people are scared of reptiles, especially snakes, that it could make someone have a heart attack, you know, and then that would turn the charge from something, you know, aggravated whatever to murder. So I would encourage the person if, if that happened, obviously it needs to be reported on the job, but possibly even a police report because that, that, that's a physical threat that has manifested at that point. Thank you. I'm the one. The report that I read last week, <clears throat> it was a black male. He's filed a lawsuit uh, alleging white terrorism, white supremacy was practiced against him in the workplace. And a part of that was uh, they reported that a snake was placed in his vehicle and he did have a heart attack. Uh, the suit, uh, or at least the report that I read last week, did not include inf any information about criminal charges as a result of the snake incident. It seemed that there may have only been like a firing, if that, but no criminal charges. Uh, and incidentally, I read that last week. We did have, uh, it was mentioned in Gift of Fear yesterday, and then uh, we did have uh, a caller write in, uh, and he said that that uh, prank, uh, this, or pff, that terrorist act uh, was conducted against him. Uh, he said he was uh, in the arms, uh, in the military, and some Marines placed a snake in his vehicle and they were charged uh, to your point that I guess, depending on the jurisdiction uh, that is uh, a criminal act as it should be. Uh, it's a terrorist act in my view. Um, I guess if other folks uh, dialed in, if either, if you have, if we have any uh, educators, if you have a code on how you deal with white and or non-white students, teachers, parents, Please dial in 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If you have a counter-violence code, uh, if you have suggestions on how a 21-year-old intern deals with a white man or person, period, uh, bringing guns and ammo type culture, literature, talking about this in the workplace, how you would uh, deal with that. I did want to make sure I got in as well. Uh, the caller in Virginia, your uh, co-worker who resigned, uh, where she said she felt, oh, and even I guess not to walk over because, wow, if you had, let's say you had not been codified, she, you know, says, you know, I don't know how to do this, to be honest, and just gives you that kind of curt uh, email response. If you had been nasty or rude and said, I'm going to, you know, call her up and, you know, give her what for. That's I mean, that could have been a really, you know, nasty situation. That's why I said this system of racism, white supremacy, people are being abused all the time. So you got lots of frustrated people in the workplace. You got lots of people that are angry and, you know, all types of things, uh, probably, you know, very low patience. Uh, four things. It can be helpful to keep that in mind. I mean, that just think about the different directions that that could have went as opposed to you just calling up and, and trying to be courteous and looking out for her black self-respect. 
Uh, and her letting you know, oh, yeah, I'm resigning today. Like, what? And then she reports that they weren't uh, inviting her out to lunch, not training her properly. I feel like such an echo. We've heard that before some billion times, I think, uh, that it got so bad that she ended up just watching Netflix on her computer. And then when she finally resigns, her boss says, why did you waste my time? Wow. That is uh, black mental health right there. That is a whole lot of things. Uh, just in that little matter of fact, Dr. Welsing said she had a lot where her theory was that a lot of black people, they're not lazy. They're not ignorant. They have been totally terrorized. They've been subjected to this type of behavior uh, in the workplace, this sort of racist conduct in the workplace. And as a result, it has totally destroyed them. They don't want to go back to that at all, even if it means just giving up and not having anything and being, you know, out on the streets or whatever. That's what they would prefer as opposed to going back and being subjected to that sort of torment. Uh, that was her theory. Uh, after decades of being a general and child psychiatrist in Washington, D.C. and seeing a lot of black patients. That was one of her theories. That sort of thing happens on the job all the time. That's why I'm such a proponent. Uh, training, ask for training, particularly when you know if there's been a problem that you didn't get adequate training or you still have questions or there are things that are specific. Uh, if it's a refresher or you need additional details, make a request and that might be something that you need to generate a paper trail electronic request where you're emailing and CCing different people and what have you to ask oh i need training for this or i need additional uh, information for this so that i can perform up to the best of my abilities that is so important these sorts of tactics are common uh, where black people feel like they do not have anyone who is concerned about their well-being. And frequently it's true. Uh, they don't have access to proper information to do their job well. And it's like, why even try? I'm just going to give up. Why even try? No one cares. I'm not getting any help uh, to do this job well. I'm not going to be able to do this job well. <sighs> I give up. That's almost you can even link that with the interns, right? It's the exact same thing. She said the black interns come in and they just end up sitting down and doing their homework or maybe playing on their phone. And then they do the exact same thing. You have a black intern or you have a black employee and they don't, she gets totally ignored, totally isolated and the exact same behavior. That is the system. I say, look for patterns, look for patterns. You see the exact same behavior. That's so, so common uh, in the system. The best thing you can do is recognize this is what's supposed to happen. These are things that I can do if I want to try and stay on this job as long as, you know, it's going to suit my needs. These are things to do. Number one being request training. Uh, any other uh, folks have comments they wanted to share? I'll be heard. Uh, greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I want to start out with my first one, being that uh, I asked a question to a uh, 
a white woman in the department who has been having uh, issues with other white uh, people, other white women or whatever. Uh, she called the other the other uh, white woman a B-I-T-C-H and a, a redneck. So, <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. Now, you use the word redneck. What has she done in her set for you to give her that label? Uh, and she kind of paused for a little bit, and then she came up with the answer of saying that, well, I think she's a Trump supporter because she's saying make America great again. Okay, so that was a quick question that I had asked. So I don't, I just don't see where that, especially after all of the time they spend together and, you know, they're always arguing or whatever. And that was the answer she came up with. So I wanted to share that one. Uh, uh, my next one is the black female in the area where I work in. Uh, I noticed some racism has been practiced. She was asked by a white female that she usually speaks with to cover for her while she goes on break. Now, I'm thinking that for some reason, I think this is some kind of a setup toward her. I just hadn't been able to investigate enough to come to uh, a conclusion of how they're doing it, but it's just an opinion of mine. But she was in there sitting in, sitting in there for at least 10, 15 minutes. So she comes back and she says, um, wow, guess what just happened? And, you know, the other person said, the other female said, oh, you know what, what happened? And I was sitting at the desk and one of the IRS, basically one of the top powerful whites, comes in, looks at her and says, Oh wow, blank looks like you've gotten darker. So he he used the name of the white woman. And this is I don't know if anyone's ever uh experienced this on the job where like if someone's off of work one day uh and someone will routinely or casually or whatever walk by and look at the person sitting at the desk and it's not the person who usually sits there. And I've noticed black people tend to be dual victims of this, like meaning, well, they're, um, they'll be sitting there uh, in substitution for a white person and or um, a white person be sitting there and they'll say something to the white person saying, oh, it looks like you've gotten lighter. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever noticed that. Or it looks like you've gotten a tan or some kind of racist um, vitriol basically at the expense of a black employee. Um, my next one is that same black female, she was at the front counter and she was speaking with the judge, a circuit judge with the uh, assistant. Both of them classified as a non-white female. So the uh, there's a con conversation occurring. They were trying to uh, apply for their passports. And the suspected racist uh, female who, I guess, uh, the first white woman was calling a Trump supporter. And I guess she's trying to make her into a focal point in racist. 
uh, said that y'all need to go down there with that talking. <laughs> so um, black females comes back and says, they just looked at her like, if you just say, if you say that one more time, <laughs> like a nonverbal uh, facial grimace. And uh, when I walked through the door, I could see the uh, white woman, she was helping the, uh, the, the black judge at the counter finish up her passport. And I just heard her apologizing and saying, oh, you know, I didn't mean it like that or whatever. So I'm like, uh, you know, another tacky event. Um, my uh, next one is I had a conversation with the uh, black female uh, with our workplace racism, and she shared with me a incident where another black female employee went to report an observation where she was told to minimize uh, speaking to another black person in a different department in juvenile, whereas the person in that same department, she asked, well, why am I being... Uh, told to not speak to someone in another department, but a person from that department can be over in our area all day speaking to a person that he dates and that he's with at home. Basically, these two are, uh, they have a child together, but he can be over there uh, fraternizing, uh, communicating with the person over there where I'm at. So I didn't necessarily get the whole rest of the incident or the situation or whatever. Uh, and I remember there was a, a comment, it was a, uh, a tacky comment where my old boss, he was talking about this Texas politician named Clayton Williams back in the late or the early 90s. He, he was saying something about, he made a, a comment about rape saying something about if it's if it's inevitable just relax and enjoy it and he said the guy i guess uh pretty much canceled his um political campaign and i have one more i noticed that there's like these kind of comments that are made and i noticed it's been directed toward me i suspect where i will be compared to some other male employee and, uh, like, they'll say that, oh, you know, I'm glad that this person, he works very hard, and I just don't want him to get stuck doing this. And then <laughs> the other uh, person will say, yeah, you know, I, I went and I told the boss, the top person, that, you know, he's very approachable, he's well-mannered, and he gets his work done. And I, the reason I'm saying this is because I don't share I don't share nothing about myself. I don't, you know, I don't disclose any personal information. So comments will be made in regards to another person and what they would like me to be, if that make any sense. So it's almost like a, um, like an indirect comparative insult or something. I, I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Very, very interesting. Wow. Always learn a lot at the uh, courthouse. Let's see. 
just paying attention to words that are used. Uh, I've said whites squabble with each other uh, all the time. That's not new in the system of racism, white supremacy, nor does it negate racism, white supremacy. It just means that you got two races squabbling with each other. It happens all the time. That's why you got a lot of different uh, clan outfits. They get into a brawl with each other and break up and they form a new clan tavern 50 miles down the road. Same thing in common. Niggers. Now, uh, but to inquire, why do you say she's a redneck? Great. We had some other listeners who said you extract information. Why do you uh, say she's a redneck? Oh, she supported Trump. Oh, I see. Once again, it was, I think, Donald Trump won all demographics of white women. 52% of white women voters picked Donald Trump. Don't let all that sexism talk and patriarchy fool you. White women, integral support of the system of white supremacy. And one of them works at the courthouse, apparently. Uh, Let's see. Next. Uh, The switcheroo for break situation that leads to the tacky uh, comment. I have seen that before where whatever the situation is, the person that's normally there is white has been replaced by someone who is not white. And you get that sort of comment. I think I've even seen that type of thing uh, on television. Like it's that's why I say it's like a tacky common joke uh, in the system. And that would be further evidence that white people are not ignorant about racism, nor are they colorblind. You obviously are paying. In fact, that's the first thing that you notice. It can't even just be professional. Oh, hey, Helen, how you doing? You covering for Susan? Oh, okay, right on. Moving. I mean, it can't even just be that. It's got to be some tacky comment about skin color at the courthouse. Again, we're supposed to not even. Let's see. Next. The folks that came in to get their uh, passport, I know uh, a victim of racism who uh, victim blaming. Uh, He chastises uh, other non-white people for not having a passport. Uh, He says, it's easy to get a passport. I'm not a rich person. You don't need a whole lot of resources and all of that. It's super, super easy. You can get your passport and get out of here. It's a huge world. Go check out some places. Uh, I said, I don't know. You're doing, you know, a lot of victim blaming to hear this, to hear that, you know, one of Trump's supporters uh, is the person that you might have to see at the courthouse in order to get some of your documents to get this here passport. He says, hey, hey, hey. Hush all that up. Get on, get on down there with all of that. Don't don't be talking about it. Like, wow. What that might make it a bit more challenging for you to get your passport. If you you come there and you got your four more years button on and your uh, MAGA hat, well then hey, it might be speedy, you'll get that passport rocketed to you in a day. Maybe so. Uh let's mm-hmm. see. The you said you spoke with uh, another victim on the job and she was talking about how they were uh, forbidding her. That was so important. They were going to forbid her from going down to another department department, uh, and chatting it up with a black employee. Now, I just keep it. We're at the courthouse. This is not McDonald's. This is not, you know, Target or the department store or something. We're at the courthouse <laughs> that we're I thought we're all working together in the cause of justice. That's I thought what all this is about. Maybe I was confused, but we don't want you to niggers chatting you're not in the same department you leave that nigger alone and what did she do she came back with a question 
and an observation. Same thing Mr. Fuller says all the time. That's why he mentions Fifth and 14th Amendment. Are we going to have equal application of the law? And she says, well, look at here. Now, you got uh, that fella down there in that department. Now, he gets to come and hang out down here with his baby mama all the time. They're having sexual intercourse. He can come and flirt and hang out with her. Why is he allowed to do that? But I can't. Uh Uh-oh. Question lane. Great question. I would love to get the answer to what was said. (laughs) Like, uh, why does he have this special? Does it have to be that if you're married to someone in the department, then you can break the rule? The rule doesn't apply if you're married. How about if you're engaged? How about if you're just having sexual intercourse? How about if you're just, I mean, (laughs) you could ask a whole lot of questions uh, on that one, but beautiful love it and some of that would just be being observing we talk about that all the time you never know something that you observed might end up being really useful information uh because they come up with rules all the time they make them up on the fly mr fuller talks about that you'll be surprised there has never been a rule about in the courthouse one employee being allowed to go and talk to another employee there's never been a rule about that but all of a sudden hey it's July 19th, and we just decided no more fraternizing with Negras down in that department. New rule. Uh, let's see. The comparisons, I don't know how I'd feel about that either. Uh, if you're going to be compared, if you're the model employee, so to speak, uh, that people are compared to. I am not sure uh, that. Yeah, I would just process uh I just process on that one. But generally, I I would not think, well, they don't even treat my water correctly here. They could just make sure that my water doesn't get sat on the floor. That would be great as opposed to Johnny doesn't, you know, isn't as hardworking as you and that type of thing. Like, yeah, that's mm. (laughs) I just don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Let's see. Got all of those. Uh. Much obliged uh, caller in Florida. Always PhD study in white terrorism from the courthouse. Uh, other folks, dial in uh, if you have a counterviolence code. Uh, if you have suggestions about how you would respond to 21 year old, how would you respond to a white man bringing out this guns and ammo talk literature on the job, um, or the the query for information on how you, if you're a black educator, how you would deal with white teachers, non-white teachers, parents, students, uh, if we have any input on that as well, uh, or your own situation, proceed. Hello, maybe um, heard once more. I know I'm kind of talkative tonight. Uh, yes, ma'am, Irene. Um, I think, um, now that I think about it, I think that young lady should invest in Mace, the 21-year-old, now that she's seen that, um, and get familiar with all exits um, in her work area, the building, you know, in general. And I wanted to ask the caller in Florida if he ever considered practicing uh, law like just leaving the courthouse altogether. It sounds like he's outgrown this situation many times over. And I apologize if I asked this before, but I can't remember if I did. But it sounds like you could either go into paralegal or just study law and become an attorney, in my opinion. Thanks. I'll meet my line. Thanks. Much obliged. 
Mace is always great having something to defend yourself in the workplace. Uh, caller in Florida, did you want to respond to her question? Uh, thanks for the uh, the question. As far as practicing law, I wouldn't really have an interest in it. But uh, from where I'm at on the job, I think I'm able to get more information from uh, the different types of records that I come across and just doing the observations that I've been doing and learning different things from the area that I'm at. Uh, I think that's been constructive for me. Um, but as far as becoming like like an attorney or something like that, I wouldn't really have an interest in doing that. But I do like to uh, develop asking questions, though, so I guess that's somewhat like an attorney. But as far as being in that kind of profession, I, I wouldn't really do that. Much obliged. Oh, did you have more you were going to add, Irie, or was that it? I was just going to tell him thank you for his service. I know people say thank you for your service when it comes to the military and firefighters and stuff, but thank you for your service being in the courthouse to give, you know, balanced um, treatment to not, especially non-white people when they come in, because I know half the time some of them probably don't know what they're doing or where to begin. And if they come across, you know, your desk, um, they, they'll be treated um justly like they're supposed to. So thank you. Mm. Context. appreciate that. Black self-respect. Context of white supremacy. Uh, let's see. Be in Toronto, global system of white supremacy. Be in Toronto. You should be with us if you had commentary to share. Hi, Gus, and hi to callers and listeners. Um, I do apologize. I, I didn't get to um, hear the first portion um, of the program. However, I, I understand that there was a question pertaining to um, educators who've worked with uh, uh, children as well. I was wondering if there was any additional contact around it. In, partic uh, in particular to what the information was being um, looked into for clarification? Uh, it was a non-white male, and he's about to start a new job as an educator. I think he said middle school and high school. And he just wanted to uh, sharpen his code uh, for that work environment so that he can minimize problems conflict with white teachers, non-white teachers, white parents, non-white parents, white students, non-white students, and the myriad of, you know, problems that can come from that milieu. So that's what he was uh, requesting the information for. And if folks have worked out a code for how to deal with those different groups. Yeah, thank you so much, Gus, for, for clarifying. So yes, I've, I've had experience um, working a contract um, in uh, different school settings. Some of the uh, codes that I can suggest is especially around white women teachers, be very careful in how you position yourself. Never be, try to avoid being caught um, in a space by yourself with a white female teacher. Um, uh, they can act pretty 
uh, lascivious, <laughs> um, I hope I'm saying it correctly, um, in that they, they will say a lot of coded sexual language. Um, again, when a lot of white women work together in in a um, in a workspace, from my observation, it's more like a sorority. So anything goes that you can hear about loose bowels to after childbirth, and this is in the middle of lunch, and they have no shame. Uh, but going back to um, the code is um, making sure that there's um, uh, try not to be caught um, uh, with, with any white female. Uh, alone in in a room, make sure that it's more uh, in a place where more people can see, such as in an office, if, if you have to have a meeting, things of that nature, if possible. Um, say very little, but listen very listen much. Say uh, listen more than than speak, so you can gather the information and intel on the people you're working around. Um, when it comes to to lunchtime, um, what I had found um, in my own experience, when you go to the lunchroom, uh, sometimes you're going to have staff staff members come and intrude upon your time to ask you questions about you know or or you know dump on you in terms of you know what they're going on with in the classroom or even ask confidential information about um, other students. Um, Refrain from sharing any confidential information um, because they will easily turn it around and say that you're breaking confidentiality and thus breaking policy. Uh, when it comes to the lunchroom, bring a set of um, headphones. You don't have to be listening to music. You can actually have it off, but then at least, you know, it will indicate that, well, they can't really just come in and barge in on your time. That's happened to me, and I, I even had to resort to eating lunch in the car because there was no downtime. Um, also, um, be prepared. Uh, when it comes to parents, um, uh, you know, keep keep the keep the the boundaries the same for for all, um, because parents will pick up when you're when you're treating one child so-called better than the other. Be prepared for verbal abuse if a parent feels that they're child is supposed to be getting higher marks or they agree with the curriculum in some way, form or fashion, just maintain, um, be cool, calm, and collected and, uh, and maintain your stance um, with, with why you've graded the child the way that you have. Make sure that you have documentation and that your documentation is up to date um, to, to show the progress to the parent, which of course the teachers would be, uh, have to abide by to that anyway. Um, let's see, uh, so those are just a few that I would recommend at this time. Oh, yes, um, especially with white girls, be very careful um, because uh, they have a way of um, claiming that someone's always trying to do something sexually to them. I've seen a pattern of that. Um, even even if it's black women working with them, they will still claim that you know they're, they're trying to do something sexually to them, um, and uh, most likely it's the conditioning from home. <laughs> you know, um, so so be be very very aware. If you notice a, a non-white child is being violated in any way, um, 
even kindergartners, um, you know, you have little white boys that are trying to pat little black girls behind, stop that immediately. Um, and, you know, remind them, you know, everybody has their own bubble, stay within your own bubble. Um, it, it would be part of um, uh, boundary setting and um, also self-regulation, um, you know, um, having the kids uh, go through self-regulation if possible to, to help them uh, keep their um, agitation in check um, as much as possible, things of that nature. So, so those are what I would recommend for that piece. Um, going on to the intern, um, I believe, who is um, who has seen uh, a, a white guy uh, bringing in um, gun literature, um, as he seems to be a gun enthusiast. Uh, I mean, yes, can send a, an anonymous um, letter. Um, the other thing, too, that would actually also um, assist with leadership is um, she could even offer to help with the next training session on safety um, as to what to do if there was an active shooter, um, of which then she can um, uh, put into the scenario um, of course, it would be considered anonymous, but put into the scenario um, similar things that this staff member is doing um, and to watch out for. Uh, so with her helping with um, with the with putting together the safety uh, drill, um, we have a health and safety joint health and, and safety committees here um, in which that would would occur that one would um, join in with and make a suggestion and do a workshop around that in which you can take that scenario so not only um, are you drawing attention to what he's doing but you're you're also taking that leadership role of which um, can land you into a permanent position as well you can also use that into a resume as well um so that's so that's another piece um so i hope that was helpful uh just to give a quick update um with the white women at my work um one of the primary um ringleaders uh of mistreatment uh she left today um so so that torment has ended even though i'm sure that you know, there's going to be different versions um, after her because the whole point is replacing. It's like the Hydra um, in Greek myth. You you cut off the head of, of one monster and you got two heads coming up in its place. Um, but yes, in, in the week preceding her leaving, uh, she really got fixated on me. I believe she was fixated on me the, the whole time, but she really got fixated on, fixated on me. She was one of the women that had boxed me in um, into um, the, envir the uh, environment where there's the, um, the desk that you can choose from. So I ended up leaving. She was one of uh, the persons. And because she could not track what I was doing, I would literally hear her on the in like her voice on the other aisles constantly. Like if I breathed, there was there's it's an issue for her. Um, 
Now, except for the one time where I've, I've, you know, stood up for myself, um, the, the remaining time I, I noticed that it, it gave her more torment by me remaining silent. So I just continued remaining silent um, the remainder of the time. And I would just hear her, like, just tear into me, try to get people to turn against me, um, things of that nature. And I just kept silent and just kept going on with my day as if she didn't exist. And uh, just kept focused on on building my work portfolio um, and remaining positive. Um, doing the exercises really helped. Um, uh, doing guided meditation really helped. Eating healthy and drinking water really helped. Um, you know, uh, workplace racism and and having this platform really helped as well. Um, and uh, what I noticed is that as it came nearer to her her end of her contract she just got worse and worse and worse so when she finally left today um less than five minutes later the same people who were rooting for her to continuing mistreatment of me the other white women they were the same ones that then turned around and claimed oh well she was very nosy and oh my goodness how she talked about being toronto so so much it's like and I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Um, I still trust none of them. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm also actively looking for other work as well. But I do want to say thank you, Gus. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, callers, for all your help because it's truly a benefit um, and really helping a lot of people. There may be that one person who's close to actually committing suicide or suicidal ideation because of the mistreatment that they're going through. Um, and, and this program may indeed help them and, of course, are helping them realize that they are not alone uh, because I've, I've learned about the statistics on that as well, and it's, it's pretty dire. Unfortunately, there isn't that clear link to, um, to racism and mistreatment and, and um, in the workplace and suicide. Um, but it's definitely a precipitating factor, um, especially because it's it's willfully ignored in in the workplace. So thank you once again, and I leave my line. Much obliged, be in Toronto. Global system of white supremacy and the terrorism we experience on the job absolutely plays an enormous role in uh, eroding our mental health health in general. Uh, and black self-respect, which is kind of all the same, uh, same, kind of all the same thing. So absolutely. Uh, and thank you for the suggestions. I had not thought of leadership opportunity. Wow. In addition to reporting unsafe work conditions, it might be a great opportunity to plan a workplace safety training. And I would be happy to volunteer to help coordinate that training session. <laughs> that is brilliant uh, because they do accuse a lot of black people uh, in the workplace uh, of not demonstrating leadership qualities. Uh, and that is phenomenal uh, to point out a problem and then part of the solution, I would be happy to join the team. Like, oh, showing such initiative uh, for an intern if, if that uh, suggestion, if she chooses to employ that one. But yeah, love it. Love it. Love it. And using this incident to point out 
why this is unsafe, unprofessional for the workplace, and how this can be a precursor to workplace violence. Brilliant. Uh, let's see. The talking bad about you, this happens in so many um, work environments worldwide. Uh, the animosity or disdain directed at you, uh, black employees specifically, and talking bad about you, the Voltronic, the unjust networking to get other people to, oh yeah, she's terrible. Worst work ethic ever. And her clothes are raggedy. Like, you know, just anything to gossip and nah. that happens on tons of jobs. We've had quite a few folks uh, who've written in to report the exact same types of behavior, misconduct, really, uh, in the workplace. Uh, that's uh, when the caller in Virginia uh, reported that her colleague said she resigned. Same type of thing, uh, being isolated. You don't get invited out. You're not thought of as being a part of the family. That's what they say uh, in the workplace. It is extremely common uh, and <clears throat> having strategies to help uh, combat the stress from all of this is so important. Drinking more water. So happy to hear other listeners incorporating that into their counter racist code, breathing exercises, exercising in general, getting more rest, uh, journaling, doing things to directly address this problem. All of those, I think, are helpful uh, in dealing with the situation as opposed to uh, ignoring it uh, or consuming alcohol or a lot of other things that we do that cause more problems. Don't solve the problem and cause more problems. Uh, Draftomania, did you have commentary that you wanted to share? Or were you just listening in? I thought <clears throat> you had a hand up. You're just listening. That's fine. Were you just listening or did you have a hand up? Assume she's just listening. Thank you kindly. Well, if you have. Oh, she does have a hand up. See, that's why I got confused. Did you? Did you? Did you? Did, did you have a comment or no? Oh, hi, guess. And uh, guess. And thank you. Um, I uh, had my hand up and then I took it off. But when I heard you mention my name, I figured I'd take my hand off um, and raise my hand again. Um, um, thanks for all the comments tonight. Um, very interesting and very constructive um, um, information tonight that um, I would be able to use in my counter-racist code going forward. Um, the gentleman from Florida, he made mention of um, individuals making comments, but it's not direct, it's indirect. They're saying things that could be directed towards him, but it's indirectly. And it's no coincidence because um because I am, you know, studying um uh white supremacy racism. Um I've been studying like a lot of things about narcissism and I was lo looking at some videos today on um YouTube and they was talking about the exact same thing. And what they call this is called dog whistling. Um, you know, they do that, do this um, in politics also. What the individuals um, will do 
is that they would say things about you or to trigger you. Um, there may be um, comments that may be directed at you, but they're not coming, you know, that they're not really talking to you, but they're just saying things within your earshot to possibly make you want to react or kind of think um, that those comments may be about you. It's like, a, um, I guess you would say, um, a cold between the two individuals that are talking. They know that they are talking about you, but other people that are around may not know that this inf that that the, uh, this information is being directed towards you. So um, that's what's being done um, with the um, the caller from Florida, and with B, um, I commend her. I commend her on her um, behavior. Um, I just found that um, that behavior is very common. And it um, not only with um, victims of white supremacy um, also partaking that type of behavior because I've been dealing with it on my job with, um, you know, they'll, you know, how that lady was um, mistreating her, the one that left. And she waited, I mean, she, it was like she was so fixated on B that it was like she just kind of... Um, had a vendetta, like she just wanted to get her um, to act um, out of um, out of character, so she can feel some satisf satisfaction if she did act out of character. So then she could say it's like a form of gaslighting, like so. Then she can say, "Now see, see how she is," but by her having a cold and not reacting to anything that they said, it it just kind of um, diffused the situation. And I commend her. And it takes a lot of um, discipline to um, act in that manner. I've gone through the same things. Um, you know, there are times where you might want to, you know, really say something to these people because it gets totally out of hand. It's, if somebody is constantly harassing you daily, uh, day in, day in, and they're saying bad things about you and they're getting other people to um, basically gang up on you, and you're having to deal with this type of um, harassment on the deli basement, like you said, Gus, it takes a toll on um, on you mentally, um, on your self-esteem. You start to doubt yourself, um, things like that, and you do have to, um, you know, do things to try to, um, you know, uh, refuel yourself to try to, you know, make yourself feel um, like you are worthy, um, like you do have a purpose in life. So, um, like I said, that that takes a toll on you when you have to go through that on a daily basis. I've gone through that on um, jobs. I've gone through it on the, on the job that I'm on now. Um, and it, it it's very stressful. It's stressful to feel like um, you're um, being left out of things. Um, but I've gotten to a point um, that um, I'm okay with just being 
um, by myself. I'm okay with um, being the outcast. Um, I'm no longer um, trying to be accepted by others. Um, because when you're trying to be accepted, you will go out of your way to be liked and, and things like that. So I'm trying to, uh, I'm kind of more so like where, um, um, I don't do, um, you know, all of the, you know, trying to fit in and trying to be a part of, and a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, my own self-esteem. So, you know, by me working on that. I don't feel the need to have to constantly try to be liked and accepted by others. And I had to um, look at, um, you know, myself instead of just looking at, well, what everybody else is doing to me. I had to look at what is it in me that I'm allowing this to affect me to the point that I'm feeling so messed up about myself. Um, so I commend her on that. And, I had an incident um, at work with um, one of the um, guys I was telling you about that um, was uh, basically mistreating me um, last week, was um, uh, emotionally surveilling me because, you know, they had been mistreating me. And so he was basically trying to, um, uh, I guess, What's the word that I can say? Um, you know how when somebody tries to um, get information, like they're trying to, um, what's the word? Um, they're trying to gather information from you. They're trying to ask questions about your personal life, um, you know, asking me where I was from. And because where I'm from, the certain area that I'm from is kind of rough. And he was making comments about the area that I, I said I was um, from and, and trying, I guess, trying to see what, how my response was. And I was able to tell that he was doing this. So I made sure I kept the, um, the conference, um, the conversation very, um, what do you call it? Very, uh, Jerry, just general. And I didn't get too personal with him because, um, I really just don't trust him. I know that, um, these individuals, they will just get information and what they will do, they'll get the information. Then they'll try to, you know, they'll go back and they'll talk about you and try to use that information against you. So, um, like um, it said on this program, it's best not to get too um, personal on the job. Don't get too detailed with your um, personal business on the job because um, it's not like it's being it's sincere. It's just that they're trying to get into your business, and that's it. And it's just going to be used against you because um, I've had an incident with um, this in this individual where he um, was asking me questions before about this other guy, the other guy that had been harassing me. And um, he ended up taking the information, told the guy. Then the guy came back to me and said, I, oh, Lee told me that you said this and that and the other. So it's like, you know, um, 
I've learned my lesson and I'm not going to allow myself to get um, set up in that situation anymore. So now I know, um, because I know what I'm dealing with, I know not to um, say too much to these individuals because they will take this information and will try to um, set you up with anything that you say. And um, that's all I have to share. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, Draptomania. <clears throat> so I say it's very important to just be mindful that, you know, hey, in a workplace setting, there's no such thing as privacy or something that you said is going to be confidential, uh, that you're always uh, speaking as though whatever you say is going to be recorded, uh, transcribed. Uh, and saved for the next 200 years, like just be in a habit of speaking that way uh, so that you're not just, you know, saying anything uh, in case that sort of thing is happening. If somebody is is trying to uh, get information from you, asking you a lot of strange questions, how are you feeling or uh, just trying to probe you uh, that, hey, I've already thought uh, some of these questions about what I'm going to say, what I'm not going to say. Uh, in fact, uh, I was going to say a few more about uh what Draftomania shared, but just a caller in Florida, I think, uh, that works at the courthouse. He said, uh, if he's still with us, I think he said that he doesn't share a whole lot about himself on the job. So if someone says, uh, hey, did you go to school around here? What school did you go to? Is that something that you don't share? Do you have a, a codified response? You can let us know in a second. But yeah, uh, with Draftomania, it would just be about being codified. Uh, you know, if I already know that uh, I've had some issues with people here. There have been some problems or whatever. I've been mistreated. Uh, I'm going to be very careful, very deliberate. Uh, when you were thinking having this dialogue, uh, it would be a very uh, deliberate conversation in terms of my word choice. I'm going to be very mindful about what I say. Probably going to be very concise as well. This will be a very efficient dialogue at least on my part and i would ask some questions too once i see that it's not just going to be somebody just peppering me with a bunch of questions i would do my part in uh redirecting the dialogue back to the workplace and following up with some questions myself i would at least make their job uh difficult where you're not just going to sit there and rattle off you know three four questions in a row um let's see notes Hello, Gus. Uh, that is B in Toronto. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I, I, I also wanted to say thank you so much, Dr. Mania, for all your wonderful suggestions that you've made um, and contributions that you've made throughout the years um, being uh, on uh, workplace racism. Uh, I, I have a solution that you might want to consider. It's the same as Gus. Um, but it's in this phrase, and it's in this phrasing. So I'm, I'm, I'm scratching off the word but, I'm putting and, and it's with this phrasing. Um, so say if the uh, coworker is trying to gather some intel on you, um, then you, you know, you turn to them, you're facing them, you're turning to them, and you're saying, oh, um, why do you ask? And then after they're going to be, you know, fumbling for words, whatever they say, then you, you follow up with, are you always this curious? You know, but you do it in a neutral tone, um, which I'm sure you would. And then, you know, of course, if they're saying, oh, blah, 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 you know, and then you're like, you know, curiosity is a great thing. 
Um, speaking of curiosity, and then as Gus mentioned, deflect onto something else, onto the workplace. What's curious is about, have you heard about this new policy? Or, you know, or, or say something completely different, like, um, you know, my, my niece is trying to do a, a, a science project. Um, you know, what I'm also curious about is why it is chlorophyll green? Have, have you, have you ever looked into that? Like, you know, so, you know, things of that nature just to, to scare them off because, um, uh, there's, um, it's, it's called, um, dominating, um, like conversational bullies, um, who will keep digging into, to, um, to, to gather intel and then use it against you. So then it's, um, the trick is to never answer their questions um, and, and, and just keep asking the same thing. Why do you ask? Are you always just curious? You know, what's, what's also curious, curiosity is a good thing. What's also curious is such and such and such, just to veer them off. So, so that's what I, I just wanted to mention as well. I leave my line. Much obliged. Always am a big fan of asking questions. The why do you ask? That one might work out all right. Other folks have to let me know if they try. Thank you, Dean. Oh, right on. There's Draftomania. <laughs> Sounds like counter-racist jujitsu. Very constructive. Can change the whole trajectory of the conversation. You might not even have to get to the rest of the questions about, you know, are you always this curious and everything? The first one might cause a lot of folks to stumble right there on the why do you ask? Like, oh, well, hmm. Uh, other folks with uh, comments, questions that they wanted to share, workplace racism related, before we get ready to conclude. I would just say that that method of conversation forces the person that's being asked the question to tell the truth or uh, be quiet, <laughs> one or the other, because they have to say something or choose to be quiet. Excellent. Indeed. Retired firefighter. Uh, any other folks have comments, questions? They want to make sure they get in last few moments before we conclude. Grand, we should be here uh, tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Oh, Pacific. That was sorry. Be in Toronto. There, there was one more quick thing that I wanted to uh, ask. Um, it was in relation to draftomania. Um, I'm trying to remember. Did you have a situation where there was a person within your living condition that was harassing you? That was in my living condition. Yes. Um, that was um, harassing me? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and actually, he just moved out uh, yesterday. 
it's funny, the person that you were dealing with um, at work, she just moved left yesterday or today. And today? my, yeah, my harasser just left um, yesterday. But as it, it, I um, agree with your sentiments. Um, trust me, there will, because the Voltram effect has been going on because it's uh, uh, you know, the type of living situation that I'm in, um, they communicate and I'm quite sure there'll be somebody else to take his place. Very true. Um, the other thing that I also wanted to mention to you is that if, if you, because I went to a, a similar situation, um, where there was, uh, this one guy was just intent on just making the day as miserable as possible. Um, we have something called a cooperative housing where um, it's, a, it's a mixed income uh, where people pay either market rent or subsidized rent um, uh, and you can get all sorts that are, are there um, but everybody pays a membership to be able to vote on the operations of the co-op. Um, so that was the kind of living conditions that I was in at that time. And what really helped was um, I had installed a video camera um, in an inconspicuous place, um, which was by the door, because I noticed that he would um, rattle the back door. He was the next door neighbor. So we were sharing the, the same back balcony and he would rattle the back door in the middle of the night. Um, so um, the video camera was able to pick it up and I had VHS tapes at that time. Um, and then what I did was I went to the Justice of the Peace and uh, was able to um, secure a peace bond um, uh, in order, uh, stating that I was in fear for my life and the life of my family, because there was one point where he actually uh, opened the back door, just the screen door, because the, the wooden door was, was, had a deadbolt and it was locked, but he opened up the screen door. Um, and that was caught on videotape. So based on that, um, when I looked on the, the cooperative bylaws, it stated that if, um, if someone was served a, a justice of a peace or were charged with criminal conditions, then the member had right um, to uh, propose to the board that the perpetrator um, move out of the co-op. And then that's what I had used to get him out. Um, so just to keep in mind, um, uh, if it comes to the point where you, you, you fear for your safety, um, use the peace bond. Um, that will at least give uh, at least a, a year's worth of peace if possible, and then use that um, to, to appeal to the landlord or, or if, it's, um, if it's not the landlord but the a board of directors um, for the, the residential area, use that to get that person out. But I'm glad that um, that misery has passed. And yes, you are right. It, like the Hydra, the, the two more usually comes in its place. Thank you, B. Wow. That is so dangerous. That's, you know, this broadcast specifically, like today, I've said consistently, like, having a code for counter violence because the system of white supremacy demands violence against black people like you just have to be prepared uh, because those types of situations we've done whole programs on black people being terrorized uh, in their residence in addition to draftomania and others who've 
uh, called in to report these types of uh, issues. So you have to be diligent. You have to be prepared. Um, this is the system of white supremacy and why this problem should be solved immediately. Uh, I mean, if you can't even, you know, have some level of safety in your own residence, but that's phenomenal being able to get the recording. I think we suggested that for drive to mania, being able to get some uh, cameras that way you can identify exactly who the perpetrator is and report. That's also a, another great illustration in terms of reporting incorrect behavior. I'm always uh, a big advocate of that. Uh, there other folks who had comments they wanted to get in questions suggestions oh gosh i just wanted to say in regards to the camera i do have um you know the camera facing my door to see if anybody comes in or out so i do have that i did take that suggestion um from the um from your uh group and thank you right on right on lots of those options probably be Eight billion more of them to come uh, in terms of all kinds of wacky <laughs> cameras that you can get to help preserve your safety as best you can. Uh, any other comments, suggestions? We will assume folks are. May I be heard? Oh, there we go. Yes, sir. Caller in Florida. Oh, really quick, Gus. Uh, I wanted to. Um, Cheryl, uh, one time when I was walking to the vehicle from the job, uh, there was a black male walking in the uh, rain, and he said he had came from uh, Orlando and before that from New Jersey, and he said that him and his family was uh, sleeping on the sidewalk, so uh, they had to go to the local shelter, and it, took, it was going to take them a while to accept them. So he was asking for like a donation. Uh, he was trying to get up to $65. So uh, I gave him $20. I didn't even, you know, I didn't know him, but it was a black male and, you know, I had helped him out. Um, and I also try to help out uh, black customers if they don't have any change on them. I keep these quarters in the drawer and I'll give them quarters at times to help uh, to help them at the copy machine. So, yeah, I wanted to share those two, and that's all I have. Black self-respect, that is, uh, and I mean, that's huge. That's what I said before about, you know, at the courthouse, I mean, it could be you or it could be the white woman Trump supporters. Like, get out of here. What do you mean? You're short. You don't have enough money for, get out of here, you know. Make America great again, you moocher. Get out of here. You could have that, you know at the courthouse that could be your experience when you come to get your documents or whatever it is or you could have someone who is practicing black self-respect uh did you have a code uh if someone you said you don't share a whole lot on the job so if someone comes up and says hey there where'd you go to school at your your response is uh like well one time once that did happen i did just briefly say what it was uh, but as of now, I hadn't really had many experiences with it, but I wouldn't really mind sharing like something like that. But if it's like, usually when something is asked of me, it's usually, oh, well, what did you do this weekend? And I say, well, it went by too fast. 
<laughs> Usually I say that and they'll agree with me. Every time I say that, it, it happens so fast. That's what I'll say. And I'll ask how their weekend or something like that. And I'll deflect it back on to them. Mm. Yeah, that's, I think in a lot of job situations, generally, there isn't too much uh, concealing about where someone went to school. Because I feel like that information is easily obtainable. Uh, like a lot of people have that on their social media profiles, on their LinkedIn page, and a lot of where they brag about it. They've got paraphernalia connected to their school uh, and that sort of thing. And or uh, it's on the uh, application. So, yeah, if it's the school one, that's uh, I don't know. That might even draw attention to me. Like, hmm, maybe this nigga didn't go to school at all. But, yeah, I was thinking generally it's, you know, the more vague type questions or different types of questions. What did you do this weekend? That sort of thing where, yeah, you don't want to give a lot of detail for that. Uh, any other questions, comments, suggestions? Folks want to make sure they share. We'll assume folks are all good. Uh, we should be here tomorrow. Man, the weather in Seattle has been terrible. I've complained or reported, really, on the weather uh, for all summer long. It's just been terrible. No sun. It's cold. I don't know if it got above 70 degrees today. Uh, and I mean, hey, Seattle, the summer ends quickly. So if you don't have nice, wonderful weather, by the time you get to the end of July, August can be, you know, a gamble. And autumn generally comes very abruptly in September. There are still some warm days but you know summer is definitely over by the time it is september here it is not quite 70 there are a few clouds in the sky but wow it is really pretty outside uh with the sun out in the evening it's still sunny it's not quite 8 p.m uh here still sunny wow if only we could get the temperature up a little bit it is supposed to warm and uh warm this weekend we shall see uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on events from the past seven days. Lots to report on the plantation. Uh, we'll look forward to exchanging views in about 24 hours. Uh, if you have comments, suggestions to what has been uh, shared on the broadcast, feel free to drop an email. We can read them next week for the Workplace Racism broadcast next Friday. That said, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. Let's preserve our brain computers so that we can come up with concepts to save our lives, solve the problem. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up every time we are in a vehicle, passenger or driver. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That includes not being on the cell phone if you are the driver. Simple things can be very effective in just minimizing contact goals to try to stay safe as we can. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, even on the job. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. 
remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.